You're listening to the Acadiana's Morning News Podcast, brought to you by LABI and always on kpal965.com. Well, home of the Rush Limbaugh Show in Acadiana, News Talk 96.5, KPEL, Brobridge, Lafayette. Your 24-7 news source, on air, online, and with the KPEL News app. Now the headlines from the KPEL News Center. Good Tuesday morning, I'm Rob Kirkpatrick with this update. After receiving 40,000 applications, the state has temporarily suspended a $24 million program to provide rental assistance. State officials say $24 million can only help 10,000 households who are behind on their rent. Louisiana Fair Housing Action Center Director Kashuna Hill says it will take $500 million to address the impending rental crisis and coming foreclosures. No word on what the state is trying to do to allocate more funding. More than a third of Louisiana residents lack access to adequate food sources because of the pandemic unemployment rates. Kevin Barnhart looks into a recent study. A half a million people fall into this new level of poverty in Louisiana since the pandemic started. Center for Planning Excellence is behind the analysis and CEO Camille Manning-Broom says that addition brings the total number of those considered to be food insecure to 1.6 million in the state. What will it take to combat the trend? This is going to take a level of stimulus dollars from the federal government and other dedicated resources to address this. I'm Kevin Barnhart. In northwest Louisiana alone, we've seen two agencies lower their COVID numbers due to faulty case recordings. The Red River Parish Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness announced just last week that they discovered duplicate positive cases and lowered their official numbers. The governor's office disputed that claim. Now this week, DeSoto Parish Sheriff's Office has announced they've also found duplicates. In Red River Parish, the adjustment lowered the case numbers by 40%. DeSoto Parish slashed its positive cases from 491 to 386 after their discovery. The sheriff also stated the numbers are constantly being corrected and adjusted. They expect to have a full case count no later than next Monday. The Louisiana Restaurant Association predicts a 25 to 30 percent drop in restaurant revenue in 2020 due to the pandemic. LRA CEO Stan Harris said they projected $11 billion for the year before the pandemic That generates over a billion dollars in state and local taxes. Well, that's no longer the case. That's going to reduce those taxes that local communities in the state depend on to sustain their operation. The National Restaurant Association projecting a $240 billion nationwide impact for revenue in 2020. LSU economist Dr. Lauren Scott says the industry is particularly vulnerable because the demand is currently being dictated by the public's level of comfort going out to eat. The second wave must have really been just a crusher to the spirits of the restaurant industry. Because just as they thought they were coming out of it, now they got to go back into it. Harris previously predicted 25% of state restaurants could permanently close due to the pandemic. Scott says much of that is linked to problems making rent. Their problem is they can reduce the number of people, the number of servers, but they can't reduce that fixed cost. And that's what's nailing a lot of them right now. Louisiana Football Coaches Association President Dwayne Jenkins, who's the coach of the Lutcher Bulldogs, says 90 of their 156 members voted to start the season as close to on time as possible or in October. There's also the option to swap fall and spring sports, but Jenkins says 
That's the last option for many coaches. In national news this morning, Joe Biden says four black women are on his short list for potential running mates. He told MSNBC it's important his administration look like the country. He didn't drop any names, but says four candidates have been vetted so far. He says when that's done, he'll narrow his picks down and talk to them personally. The suspect wanted in the fatal assault on New Jersey federal judge Esther Salas' family is dead from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. It happened in Rockland, New York. The suspect, identified as Roy Den Hollander, was a lawyer who described himself as anti-feminist. He had been presenting a case before Judge Salas that argued the military draft for men is unconstitutional. Hollander was wanted for the shooting death Sunday night of Daniel Arterell, the 20-year-old son of Salas, and the shooting of Salas's husband, 63-year-old Mark Anderl. And finally, President Trump will start holding regular briefings on the coronavirus pandemic again. That's expected to happen this afternoon. He told reporters that his prior briefings brought in record ratings and got out important information. White House advisor Kellyanne Conway said last week that Trump's poll numbers were higher when he was hosting the briefing. Widespread on again, off again showers throughout the course of the day today. Another fairly wet day, similar to the way it was yesterday, where at times you get a decent downpour and a little bit of a break and another round of rainfall following it up after that. And we're going to see that continue throughout the remainder of the day today. With the clouds and the showers, temperatures should stay in the upper 80s throughout the afternoon. Overnight lows back down in the mid-70s with winds from the southeast at about 5 to 10 miles an hour. Wet, unsettled weather continuing through the rest of the week, picking up on Thursday and Friday. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. First up on KPL this morning, Bernie's interview with State Attorney General Jeff Landry. His back and forth continues with the governor. And then at 6.40 this morning, we'll talk to Gerald Block with the governor's office for their response. All that more coming up on Acadiana's Morning News. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. In this letter, by the way, it is on the KPL website, everybody. So if you want to go there, look over it for yourself. It's on the Facebook page. You'll, you'll see it all there. You address this to Governor Edwards, and you make a lot of very interesting points. So I want to kind of go piece by piece. Um... You talk in the very beginning of the letter about flattening the curve. And in March, you did stand up there with Governor John Bell Edwards. There was a mission. And the mission at that time was about flattening the curve so as not to overwhelm our hospital system. Or at least that's the way that I remember it. Would you characterize it that way? Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, well, it was not only flattening the curve, but it was also the unknown of what we were dealing with. Um, I mean, again, remember, we had a novel virus that was here in America. Doctors really didn't know how to treat it. We didn't know what the infection rate was. We didn't know what the mortality rate was. At the time, we were being told that 2 million, upwards to 2 to 3 million people just in the United States were, were set to die from this virus. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of anxiety and unknowns, and so because of those elements, they then allow for drastic measures to be taken by the by the government and the governor. And and of course, look, I I stood there right alongside him and, and certainly supported him uh, in that particular endeavor. Uh, but but a lot has changed between now. Yeah. And now. Oh my God, drastically. I mean, you know, every day it seems like we're learning something new. 
or something different or a twist on something that we knew back in March that is maybe sometimes in some cases completely different from what we knew. Um, You know, when you talked about the mask mandate, when you wrote that last week, you spoke specifically about the fact that there were no, and you put this in the letter, published metrics, meaning where is the goalpost? What are we doing? What are we trying to earn or do as far as the mask mandate? I don't know if that was addressed in the governor's response to you. No, I mean, look, look, it was completely disappointing, um, uh, you know, to have a governor sit there and basically respond to an official opinion by the attorney general. Uh, Here's the first thing. The first thing that everyone needs to remember is I didn't just go out there and issue this opinion. This was something that was asked of me. Right, exactly. Yeah. A number of legislators. Uh, and and so we have a duty to do so. We didn't just haphazardly do it either. It's not like we, we were just waiting with bated breath to, to, to try to in some way undermine the governor. We took several days, if not three days, at I think at a minimum, uh, to go through the data, to go through the, the the law, to go through the constitution, and to and 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 do our legal research, and then we issued that particular opinion based on that. Um, you know, look, the governor certainly had a right to say, well, you know, that's the attorney general's opinion; it's not my opinion, and then go about doing that. And his response was not at all that, which is which is odd. In fact, if if people would, would, would concentrate on that response and think of it to this extent, he never addressed the constitutionality of the questions that we brought out in the opinion. In fact, in his own press conference, when asked multiple times by reporters about the enforcement mechanism, uh, he brushed, either brushed them off or simply said, well, I'm just not interested in enforcing them. And in some cases said particular groups were not going to, um, have any enforcement whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That in itself shows the prob- the problem with that. And you know, Bernie, some people say, "Well, you know, the governor can do that. And you know, maybe he's not gonna not gonna enforce it." And, you know, but, that, but that's fine. But that's not fine because you know we we are a society that's governed by laws, right? And you don't create a law unless you intend to enforce it. That's a lot of the problems that we see. It's it's part and parcel of bigger problems, right? Do you and think so- that makes the governor look weak when he stood up there? Because that was the very first question from reporters. They wanted to know, will it be enforced and how will it be enforced? And it seemed like it was a crawfish response, at least in my interpretation. Well, I've, I've, you know, I've interviewed people for years and years and years. And I'm with you that in the sense that, look, if, if you're going to do something, you have to do it. And the mechanisms have to be there. Right. And, I, and listen, that's been my concern all the way throughout this. It's not that I'm anti-mask and it's not that I'm not a, I'm anti-mandating. Right. But again, anytime you're going to mandate, you've got to follow the rules and the law. And certainly if the governor wants rules to be followed by the citizens of the state, he has a set of rules under which he has to follow in order to set those rules down as well. You know, no one governs by fiat in this country. If you like that, you can go down to Cuba, um, you know, or to other uh, countries that, that are run by dictators. But just not in the United States is it done in that particular fashion. You know, I think, um, you know, one of the biggest things, too, that you pointed out in the letter, I want you to kind of tell me a little bit about this. Um, the very first part of the letter talks about the time in which as a state and 
we were working together to flatten the curve. You say in your letter, and this is you, this is how you wrote it, quote, and you're speaking to the governor. You surprisingly applauded extraordinarily large groups of people who were gathering in violation of practically every order you had issued to contain the virus, orders which emphasized social distancing. So while you could have applauded people exercising the constitutional right to freedom of speech, while at the same time chastised the attendees for failing to protect people from the spread, you did only the former and none of the latter. Tell us your thinking on that. Well, I mean, it's really not thinking. It's just what's factually what's out there. It's Unfortunately, it's what tethers this governor uh, to a, a number of other liberal Democratic governors and mayors around the country, which then go to the question of whether everything they're doing is based on politics, something that the governor likes to claim we do whenever we disagree with him. Look, it's a, it, 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 I have looked at the charts way too many times, okay? And it doesn't take a mathematician or statistician to understand this. If you look at the spikes that we uh, um, that have occurred here in Louisiana over the last 30 days, and you look at when the protests occur, right, you st- there is a correlation between those two. Not only is there a correlation in the spikes, but there's also a correlation in the positive tests and, and the age group of people that participated in those protests. Now, look, I'm not anti-protest either. That certainly is a First Amendment right. But again, the Constitution is not a buffet. And the First Amendment, ah, ah, you can't ah. appreciate you can't appreciate one portion of the First Amendment and not appreciate any other portions of it as well. Because the right to assemble means a lot of different things, and not only when you're protesting something that maybe you appreciate. And so again. That that is something else that we took issue to, and the governor applauded that. He went on the record, and and he didn't say, "Hey, listen, we understand, uh, you know, the, the the concerns and 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 the expressions that are that are out there." However, Louisiana is under uh, a number of executive orders where we're trying to contain a virus. Y'all should not be doing this, right? That's not at all what he did. And so again, you know, it it it, it is what irritates the public. Is picking and choosing. Remember, we're supposed to be equal under the law. Not no one gets extra rights. Everyone's supposed to get equal rights. And for business owners, they do feel as if you know there it is a you know picking winners and losers situation. They do feel like that because if your business has been closed down and your livelihood has disappeared or it's going to disappear, it's the same problem for you as your employees. Well, well, exactly. And I mean, at what, at what, what is the point in time under which the cure is worse than the disease? You know, and there's been a lot of talk about the angst over the mask. Let's just use to go back right. to that. Right, because yeah. I know there's a lot of people that, you know, and, and so people, some people can't understand, well, why a, a particular person wouldn't want a mask and, and would, would, would otherwise be deemed a pretty pro- proper setting. And I can agree with that. However, let's go back and see why is that occurring? Well, again, it's occurring because those same type of people who are normally law-abiding people have turned on the TV and have watched things like riots and protests and 
the degradation of statutes, the burning of private businesses, with no sense of accountability for the people who are conducting that exercise. And then, and then all of a sudden, they're told that by the government that they have to do anything. That is an, they automatically resist that because they're like, well, why should I be told and why should I do something that the government's telling me to do when the government, when clearly people out there are violating the law and not being held accountable as well. See how that, it becomes a cycle and it's eroding uh, to, to government structure. We are speaking with Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry, who joins us. You say that uh, in your letter, a lot of people have reached out to your office for clarification. Um, can you give us an idea of the different groups that have, or, or people or individuals? Just give us some type of idea of who's been reaching out for clarification. Well, I mean, as soon as the um, the order was, the, even as soon as rumors of the order was set for mm-hmm. circulation, we started getting calls from all kinds of people, gyms, bars, restaurant owners, normal business operators. Uh, you know, what does that mean? What can he do? What? And of course, a lot of times I was like, I don't know. I didn't even see the order yet. I've got to wait to see the order. I've got to be able to review it from law enforcement agencies. Hey, how am I supposed to enforce this? How do you know how they're going to enforce it? What is the enforcement mechanisms going to be uh, from legislators? Can he do this? Can he not? I'm getting called. And of course, they were probably fielding some of the same calls from business owners and, and normal citizens as well. The conversation with Attorney General Jeff Landry continues after a quick break. And then again, at 640, we'll talk to Gerald Block from the governor's office. That's ahead on Acadiana's Morning. The loudest voices on the biggest issues impacting your life. Continuing the long tradition of informing you in Acadiana. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Depend on it. Louisiana Network is saying the number of people hospitalized from COVID-19 is back above 1,500. The state reporting 3,100 new cases. Um, Does it frighten you? Does it scare you? Well, I mean, listen, a novel virus, you know, scares me as well. Uh, here's, Here's what's important to recognize. What is our overall healthcare capacity at this particular time? Has it changed since March, right? It should yeah, change. That's a great question. We should be, yeah, we should I be mean, in a better again. Yeah, I mean, we're supposed to be in a better position. Something that's not being the number, the length of hospital stays of COVID-infected people has been shortened. Sometimes anywhere between thirty to fifty percent, based upon my back of a napkin math. People who are getting on ventilators uh, are surviving at a greater rate than they were before. We certainly don't want anybody on a ventilator, but certainly it's not the death sentence that it was in March at this particular time, you know, all of those things should be factored in. What is our ICU capacity? Do we have extra bed space? You know, what is, you know, where are we from a medical staffing standpoint? Some of those things may reach critical mass, Mm -hmm. but again, that's not being articulated. All we keep hearing about is the number of positive cases. That doesn't make up a hill of beans. My positive cases what good is my positive case other than to say, Attorney General, you're positive, you should stay home at least for 10 days, uh, or, you know, to see if you're going to get any particular symptoms. And if you do get any symptoms, you should, you know, you should again uh, not go out in public until, you know, three to, I mean, three to four days afterwards. You know, mm-hmm. and again, mm-hmm. even though even that information has been somewhat 
changing as the sea of information gets to our medical providers. Yeah. Again, Bernie, the level and the degree under which we address these crises change. And so because the facts on the ground change, those should change as well. Well, and you really, I mean, you take it to the governor in this statement. I'm quoting uh, Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry's letter. It's posted uh, at the Cape Hill website and on our Facebook page. You say, quote, like you, I trusted the data and models generated in March. But since then, they have been proven to be wrong on a scale of grand magnitude. Therefore, our response needs to change by the same degree of magnitude. By the same token, your extraordinary powers need to change by that same degree of magnitude. That's pretty uh, That's pretty serious. Well, I mean, it's not only serious, Bernie, it's actually true. I mean, let me give you an example. You know, I only know of one city... Um, actually, that is still doing this. And I think it's up in Shreveport. Okay. But, you know, we, we went through a tremendous amount of great expense, right, from federal dollars that were given to us to handle this particular crisis and to get our hands around this disease, right, and this virus. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the city of Shreveport, and I'm not saying the city did it, but the medical community around there in some kind of way, went in and actually stood up a COVID unit only hospital, right? They took a, they took a long-term acute facility and stood it up so that that facility only took in COVID-19 patients or maybe some excess of them, right? Those things could have been done and may have been done in other parts of the, the state and should have continued to remain, which would give us extra capacity in addition to the fact that placing those patients in those COVID-only units would free up in uh, excess capacity for elective surgeries and other procedures in normal hospitals. In addition, when you do that, you reduce the risk of, of, of infecting medical staff mm-hmm. that are not related okay. to, to taking care of COVID-19 patients. But that hasn't happened. And nobody's even talked about that. So in other words, what do we have at our disposal to put our hands around managing the particular crisis? At the beginning, when the governor and I stood up and where we all were, it was it was crisis point, right? It was, hey, we don't know, but we need to be able to triage this virus. What can the government, what does the government response need to be in order to make sure that people are healthy? We've gone like, what, 100 days now or longer, maybe 120 days. We know so much more now. So the degree of management should be changing as well. So do you think that the governor is going to respond to this? Do you think he'll drop the issue? What kind of response are you expecting? I mean, I don't know, but I'm done. I mean, listen, I've actually done about everything that I can do. I mean, we we sent this letter out, and it's important for listeners to understand. The reason we sent this letter out. Explain to it. Yeah, absolutely. Explain that part of it. Because people, I'm sure, are dying to know. Well, because the governor sent out a letter to address to me, and it stuck on his website, I think, on thursday night and then on friday you know that basically was 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 extremely I, like childish uh, had nothing it took on none of the points that we made in a particular opinion ridiculed us for doing our legal job which is the issue of particular opinion and and then took you know pot shots and things that created like red herrings for the public 
you know, and, and so we said, look, we're not just not going to put up with it because it's riddled with a lot of inaccuracies, innuendos and untruths. And so, you know, I we sat there and prepared this letter mm-hmm. uh, and then I'm, I'm done. I mean, look, all I can do as the attorney general is point out the law, right? Mm-hmm. And say, this is what the law says and this is what the Constitution says. Um, the governor can go and he certainly has a right to go about acting as he as he pleases, and the only checks against that are really the legislature, right? The people in the courts, right? And so, you know, you we think, just put it. Let me out ask there. you: You think somebody's going to file suit either over either over the mask mandate or the bar issue? I mean, have you heard any rumblings behind the scenes? I mean, you know, the, uh, in fact, today, ironically, in Shreveport, again, talking about uh, the city of Shreveport, a federal—I mean, not a federal, a district, state district judge smack down uh, the mayor's mask mandate uh, mm-hmm. as being vaguely, un- uh, not vague, uh, what was the words he used? Um, he said it was unconstitutional, but he, he used a, <laughs> um, a couple Some of other. certain interesting uh, pieces of language. Yeah, in words. Yeah. But, right. but, but so, so he, 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 he had issued a preliminary and now a temporary restraining order, a temporary and now a preliminary restraining order against that. I've heard that there are many board owners that are seeking uh, some address as well. That portion of the executive order is extremely problematic uh, because, again, it picks and chooses winners. And, 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 and yeah, I think that you could see um, a number of board owners gather together and take legal action against that order. So in wrapping up with all of this and Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry talking about the letter that he sent to the governor, you can get it at KPL, you can get it uh, at the at our Facebook page, too. I want to go over the point where you stress this a couple of times in this letter again. You are not against masks. You're telling people, look, do the mask thing, you know, if you have health issues. I mean, you really encourage people that if if they want to you know, do the protection and wear the mask. Now, you know, you really are encouraging this for people who want to do it. Correct. We shouldn't, this is in no way should be taken as a discouragement. Uh, It's important for people to understand that for the government to compel someone to do so is a high burden and is a great responsibility that really is only left to times of crises, emergencies by one person, or then by a body, which is like a legislative body. Uh, and, and so again, you know, masks have been shown to be useful, right? It's part and parcel of where we are today, using masks, and certainly in certain circumstances, certainly with people who, who are infected or who are likely to come in contact with people who are infected, certainly by those who are in the most vulnerable part of the population. But, but the way that we've gone about implementing this thing has just divided people. You know, it's, it's pitched business owner against patron, neighbor against neighbor, um, you know, I mean, we, we made it as if, you know, if you're walking in the park, you have to have a particular mask on, which, again, scientifically proven probably is it doesn't do you any good. Right. If you're outside, the wind is blowing, if you're not standing in a crowded um, uh, uh, place, even, you know, inside of, of close quarters, you could even be outside and there may be times when you're outside and you you may or may not want to use wear a mask. But again, those things should be coming from health experts and doctors uh, and, and continuing to educate the public on how to 
to take care and protect themselves from this virus. Do you think, real quick, I know you got to go, do you think that uh, it should have been all about more education, maybe a better message, more direct of a message about the mask? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we have, we have faced novel viruses and infectious diseases, certainly that have had greater mortality rates than this particular virus before. Never have we gone to the extent we have gone to in this country um, uh, in, in implementing the type of mandates uh, that, 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 that we've gone to at these lengths, right? Uh, I think that, again, education, education and treatment, uh, being fit, uh, protecting your health, uh, when you think about it, the biggest the biggest factor between those that seem to to not have much of symptoms and those that end up in a hospital or either comorbidities or, or the overall health of a particular person, those are important things that we should be doing to educate the public. Our Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry, sir, thank you very much for going point by point so we could get um, your intent, what you thought about it, uh, all of your thoughts behind the letter, sir. Thank you for your time today. Okay, thank you. Take care. care. Breaking news, traffic troubles as they happen, and your Acadiana forecast. Just one tap away on the free KPL News app. Download it today in the App Store and Google Play. It's the bottom of the hour. Now the top stories from KPL965.com. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. Roads are wet out there this morning, and more rain is in the forecast. We'll get up to 88 degrees today. The National Hurricane Center is monitoring three tropical waves, but none of the disturbances are a serious threat to Louisiana at this time. State climatologist Barry Kimes says a weak low-pressure area south of the Texas-Louisiana border. It's caught the attention of forecasters, but it's expected just to bring that tropical moisture to our area. Kimes says there's another disturbance way out in the Atlantic and the other over Cuba, both heading towards the Gulf of Mexico. He says this disorganized area of showers and thunderstorms should get into the Gulf today. Your full forecast from Daniel Phillips is just ahead. House Speaker Clay Schecksnyder is discouraging fellow Republicans from supporting an effort spearheaded by Shreveport Republican Alan Seabop to revoke the governor's coronavirus pandemic state of emergency. Schecksnyder says the petition fixes nothing and adds that the move could trigger more overrides or ongoing executive orders tied to previous natural disasters. He said it could be a hurdle for the governor's authority to tackle future events. Seabock called the speaker's response, quote, fear-mongering. A state rental assistance program is temporarily suspended due to an overwhelming response after less than a week. Matt Doyle has the story. The $24 million program was designed to help 10,000 low-income families and ended up receiving 40,000 applications. Louisiana Fair Housing Action Center Director Kashana Hill says it's a drop in the bucket compared to the $500 million that will be needed to address the state's impending rent crisis affecting 130,000 Louisiana families. Over 27,000 families in New Orleans area, 14,000 families in Baton Rouge, 5,800 families in Washita Parish, and over 3,000 families in Lafayette. I'm Matt Doyle. The back and forth between Governor John Bell Edwards and Attorney General Jeff Landry continues. Landry sent another letter to Edwards yesterday criticizing him for cheering on recent social justice protest events, even though they could have contributed to the latest surge in coronavirus cases. Edwards' staff says there's no evidence of that being a cause of the spread. Landry is also not happy the governor chose to shut down bars, but Edwards says contact tracing has shown that bars contributed to hundreds of new cases.
Baton Rouge police are investigating an officer-involved shooting that killed a domestic violence suspect at his Tigerland apartment early yesterday morning. The identities of the officer and the deceased have not been released, but a portion of body cam footage has been sent out. Four officers involved in that shooting were placed on administrative leave. A canine officer injured in the gunfire is in stable condition. The suspect was wanted on a warrant obtained in May, and they said officials had tracked him down to the apartment complex after a tip given to Crime Stoppers. Chief Murphy Paul says during the incident, officers saw the man appearing from a rear room. The officers retreated from the apartment while giving loud verbal commands. The suspect armed himself with a weapon and confronted officers at the entrance to the apartment. When the suspect pointed the weapon at the officers, they fired, striking him. Paul said all the officers had their body cameras activated and a snippet of that footage we played a few seconds ago was released after the family of the deceased reviewed that video. Although they preferred that the body camera video not be released today, they allowed us to release some of the footage for the sake of transparency and for the best interests of public safety. Back here locally, if you see a Bell 206 helicopter flying over Lafayette in the next few days, here's why. LUS, along with the Energy Authority and Geodigital International, will be conducting an aerial survey of 40 miles of high-voltage transmission lines throughout the city of Lafayette. In a press release, LUS says the helicopter will fly slowly, approximately 500 feet above the ground, as they take a look at those high-voltage lines and capture images that will allow LUS to inspect their own system. The aerial survey, which local authorities have been made aware of, is expected to start tomorrow and last for just about a week. If you're seen wearing a mask while in New Orleans, you could be given a raffle ticket worth $10,000. Matt Doyle has the story. It's the brainchild of Crew of Red Beans founder, Devin DeWolf. I used to be a school teacher, and when you're an educator, you learn really quickly the power of positive reinforcement. DeWolf says they began handing out the raffle tickets Monday and will continue to do so until August 3rd with a drawing on August 4th. He says they're focusing on areas of the city with the highest rate of infections and hoping to get more residents on board with that $10,000 drawing. Just got to mask up. <laughs> I'm Matt Doyle. The hits from rapper Kanye West just keep coming. After his tear-filled political rally in South Carolina on Sunday, West continued his verbal rampage on Twitter yesterday, and this time he set his sights on the Kardashians, the family he married into. The presidential hopeful started lighting up his own account, claiming the Jordan Peele-directed psychological thriller Get Out is actually about him. He then claimed his wife, Kim Kardashian, and other members of the family attempted to have him committed for saying he almost killed his daughter, North, during the South Carolina rally. In another tweet, he has since deleted. Kanye claimed Kris Jenner and Corey Gamble were forbidden to see his children and accused them of trying to lock him up. Since announcing his intent to run for president on the 4th of July, Kanye's time in the limelight has been peppered with often incoherent ramblings and dramatic outbursts. And finally, history buffs or just anyone looking for a hiding place may be interested in an upcoming auction in North Dakota. The item to be auctioned is a Cold War missile silo near Fairdale in Walsh County. The auction comes up in August. The owner is selling the silo that was part of a larger complex based in Cavalier, North Dakota. Now, Some development land is also available. The silo includes 14 Sprint missile launch tubes. Warheads are not included. 
Mostly cloudy skies out there again today with on again, off again showers and a few thunderstorms rolling across Acadiana basically throughout the course of the day. Today, we're going to go with rain chances sitting at about 70% on the afternoon. We stay wet all the way through the rest of the work week. Highs today going to be in the upper 80s. We've got scattered showers back in the forecast for tomorrow. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Right now, traffic. Fire investigation in Kalen Road in Youngsville in that area. Make sure you're buckling up, keeping it safe out there. From the ESPN 1420 Sports Center, I'm Scott Prather, where negative tests equal positive news in sports. That was the case yesterday when the NBA announced that the coronavirus tests given to all 346 players at the league's bubble campus in Orlando, Florida, zero positive results were netted. So in the last eight days, there have been zero positive coronavirus tests, a positive sign as the NBA is set to resume their season a week from Thursday. Pelicans against the Jazz on July 30th. Meanwhile, in the NFL, according to ESPN NFL reporter Adam Schefter, the Players Association does not want to play any preseason games this summer, and the NFL owners made them that offer yesterday. Players have been pushing for no preseason games this year, as the league was seeking to have them play two instead of the usual four. That's a look at sports. I'm Scott Prather, News Talk 96.5, PayPal. Hey, there he is. How's it going? I'm having a stroke. Are you going to shake my hand or what? I'm having a stroke. Wow, you're not even moving your arm. I'm having a stroke. Are you okay? I'm having a stroke. Your face looks weird, too. I'm having a stroke. Are you having a seizure or something? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. I'm having a stroke. You just need to know the sudden signs. Look for FAST, F-A-S-T, F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, or S, speech difficulty, then T, time. Time to call 911 immediately, because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment, and that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. Know the sudden signs. Face, arm, speech, time. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Welcome into Acadiana's Morning News. Great interview uh, with the Attorney General. You know, I think the biggest questions that I have is, of course, the enforcement thing is number one. Uh Number two, the gray area where there are people who who don't know where they fall. Um, I was talking to someone yesterday and said, okay, Uh so I'm I'm making out a a shortcut of the phases for when we can do things. And the specific Uh issue was live music. And it was like, so live music, that comes back in phase three. And I was like, well... 
there have been places with live music now. Right. You know, but you just have like the limit on capacity. Right. So um, oh, as we teased in, in the early part of the show, I don't want to leave you guys hanging. We had a scheduled interview with Matthew Block from the governor's office. If he calls in, we'll jump on. We'll talk to him um, because I think there are a lot of those unanswered questions. It seems like there's you're looking at things two different ways here. And, you know, the attorney general is obviously tasked with looking at things constitutionally and state law wise. And, and- there were, I don't know, I don't remember how many were in the first letter, but there were lawmakers who asked for his opinion. Yeah, yeah. So, well, because remember, it was originally it. sent. It was right. the original one was sent to the right lawmakers. So anyway, we'll see what happens. Um, also, you heard in the news that uh, Clay Schechtschneider, the Speaker of the Louisiana yes. House, is saying um, that changing the way the executive order is or limiting the governor's powers, especially with this one, could affect ongoing executive orders that are in place from previous ones. So anyway, we'll see what happens with that. Hey, want to remind you real quick, um, the search for Lafayette's best martini with three olives and healing house is going on. Yeah. Um, a little bit later on this morning, you'll get to see the drinks and how they are made. But if you go to kpl965.com, it gives you a full listing of all the healing house martinis that participate in restaurants. And you could go to our website, kpl965.com to print out that voucher and find out more. You should do that. We highly recommend it. You know, it's just, um, I love mm-hmm. a drink for a good cause. Yes, you know? indeed. Sounds good to me. Yes. Um, coming up on the show, mm-hmm. we'll have Trooper Thomas Gossin. I'm anxious about the roads. Um, yeah. I saw a couple things. I had to make a quick drive over to Baton Rouge yesterday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Saw a couple things in the construction area I want to ask about because okay. it just seems like, now I know that it's difficult, okay, because okay. you're trying to do road construction on a road that's open. Okay. All right. But there were a couple things I saw with some of the entryways and some of the on ramps that I thought, ooh, this is why it's so tough in this area and why we continue to see these crashes. So we're going to ask him about that. We'll also talk to the Tuesday talker. Of course, he's keeping the eye on the prize, and that prize is retirement and long term earning potential. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk to him about that. Um, Good news for Mm -hmm. your boy Rob and your girl Burn. Today is National Junk Food Day. All right, so we're in. We know how to do that. We are here. Okay. And um, and what what suggestion are you going to have out of the vending machine? I definitely think I'm going for the Twix bar. I'll first. tell you. You know what I am? <laughs> I am uh, Gardettos. Oh yes, my favorite. We were actually just oh. out talking yesterday because um, I was making that that trip. I had to go pick up my daughter in Baton Rouge. Uh huh. At um. And we were talking about like what everyone got. Like when we were kids, we would do road trips. Like yeah. I was always like a chocolate milk and guard and Gardettos. I don't really? know why. It's just what, what it an was. interesting combination. My brother man. was always. Um, do you know what Big Red is? Oh, not, of course. Not the gum, but the drink. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay, so Big Red, which I don't even think they sell in Louisiana anymore. I guess. We, and, and who knows? Maybe we never got it here. Maybe we got it on the Maybe other end of the did. trip Maybe in it was Texas, somewhere else. I don't but, know. Um, so Big, Big Red, Red is delicious. and Barbecue Fritos. Oh, my that boy. His. That's my boy. Um, I'm sure Kelly and I are not related. So in Louisiana, would yes. you like to know what the number one junk food, according to this survey, is? In the state of Louisiana. And this is based on sales. Okay, this is based on how many people, like, will buy this. Okay, okay. I'm ready. Uh-huh. A payday. The caramel with the peanuts on the outside yeah. are the nougat caramel um, nougat mix. Notice I was like, that was the tiny claps of it's the not, studio audience. It's not my favorite. I will eat it. I'll yeah. eat it, you know, from time. And look, I love peanuts, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't just run and be like, hey, give me a payday. So the rest of the states in our region, mm. Florida, mini donuts. 
Oh, yeah. Georgia, Lay's potato chips. Uh-huh. Alabama, don't don't try to give me a Lay's. Give me a Ruffles. Oh. Uh, Mississippi Twinkies, Texas Ooh. Funyuns, and Arkansas uh. Doritos. Doritos. No, there was an interesting podcast I was listening to, yeah. and it was... um. It's Malcolm Gladwell. He does this podcast called Revisionist History. Uh-huh. And yeah. essentially, he just gives things a second look that were probably overlooked when they happened because okay. they weren't that big of a deal when they okay. happened. Um, and then there's like implications 100 or 50 years down the line. Uh-huh. Anyway, he did one, and it was about cultural appropriation and food. Uh-huh. And one of the things he talked about was he went to the test kitchen of Taco Bell. Okay. And kind of like got to the bottom of why Taco Bell, like what the inspiration is for their menu items okay and essentially the company said no our our inspiration is not mexican food at all it is that we now know what the taco bell customer is and so that's why we're going to do a doritos flavored shell with meat and cheese and you know and 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 all the bit inside yeah okay makes sense it's never about any because if you were really to do mexican food think about this you know what the most popular food is beautiful and wonderful and way different from what we think of tex-mex and it's pork Pork well, is the most go. common meat, but they said, who knows? They've tried pork uh, for whatever reason in this mm-hmm. country. People are weary of fast food pork, mm-hmm. uh, obviously other than the McRib because well, people love go. the McRib. Anyways, it was, it was actually really fascinating. And by the way, mm-hmm. quick, quick tip. Yeah. Here's a good one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you know that the whole Doritos Loco Taco thing, it caused all sorts of problems because it was a handshake deal between the Frito-Lay CEO and the Taco Bell CEO. No. They didn't consult lawyers. They didn't pay a royalty. They didn't ask any anyone. It caused all these problems because no guess kidding. what? You're using now Doritos to market your stuff, but the CEOs agreed it was good for both companies. That's, that's to interesting, To have the Doritos right? taco and the taco, you know what I mean? Both wow. ways. Wow. Very interesting. All right, uh, 648 now at News Talk 96.5 KPL. We're going to take a quick break here. We're back with more okay. Katie Anna's Morning News. And I'll update what's happening on weather right now. Obviously, we've got some showers out there. The rainbow might have already disappeared. So weird outside. Um, right yeah, it is. It's kind of strange looking. But I will tell you this. Bring the umbrella. You know, not not heavy-duty showers right now. But you got the that light rain. So if you're trying to get into the office with, I don't know, a portfolio of some kind or whatever, or you're going to have a Or just trouble. hair. Or, yeah, okay. or you spend, Bernie's you spend a lot of time on your hair. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, there you go. Yeah. All right. Y'all, we'll be right back. How long will I be working from home? This question is asked every morning by hundreds of millions. The management of Zoom thinks it has the answer, and it's one I don't think you're going to like. Your Tuesday Consumer Tech Update is brought to you by LinkedIn. In uncertain times, it's important to build the right team. Visit LinkedIn.com slash Kim and get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Zoom is betting long on the pandemic, meaning they believe it's going to be around for some time. And while millions use Zoom already, many still struggle to make it run seamlessly on their computers. Zoom's answer is an all-in-one communications appliance with a 27-inch touchscreen, so it can be used as a video monitor or as a whiteboard to draw out ideas or even to notate photos on the screen. There are three high-resolution, wide-angle cameras and eight microphones, so you could conceivably use it in a small conference room. The downside, it's expensive, 600 bucks. Plus, with all those cameras, no more working in your PJs. I'm Kim Commando. Small businesses have unique needs, and despite the current uncertainty, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When your business is ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so you can find the right person quickly. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 690 million members worldwide. 
LinkedIn job screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for and puts your job post in front of qualified members every day so that it's seen by people looking for jobs like yours. That's how LinkedIn jobs can help you hire the right person faster. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash Kim. Again, that's linkedin.com slash Kim to get $50 off your first job post. Once again, that address, linkedin.com slash Kim. Terms and conditions of places. The loudest voices on the biggest issues. We are worried now that as cases spread, that it's getting to the older parents and the grandparents. Get tested and protect those in the household. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Depend on it. The Rush Morning Update is brought to you by Luxury Limo of Lafayette. Book your next traveling party at LuxuryLimoOfLafayette.net. You might remember the New York Times Magazine reporter at responsible for that 1619 project said America's only foundation is 400 years of slavery. Well, she's got a new project. It's called it the 2020 Riot Project. Nicole Hannah-Jones interviewed by CBS News about the mayhem unfolding in Democrat cities. And she told everybody to be really careful with our language. She said that although it's disturbing to see property being destroyed and stolen, we ought to remember these are just things. She said that it isn't moral to describe smashing and looting as violence. Destroying property which can be replaced is not violence, she said. Nicole Hannah-Jones did not acknowledge the people who have been killed during all this torching and destroying and looting and pillaging and ransacking, nor did she mourn the businesses that have died or are going to die. First, business owners were forced by their blue state governors and mayors to shut down for months because of the coronavirus. Now the violent riots have destroyed their life's work and dreams and their vandalized businesses and stolen things won't just be magically replaced, they're dead. So excuse us, uh, Ms. New York Times Magazine, if we think it's far more than merely disturbing that this is happening, while elected Democrat officials sit on their hands and literally do nothing to stop it, and in fact, some of them even applaud and encourage more of it. Families are saving money every month on their cell phone bill with Pure Talk USA. The average family for saving $76 a month when they switch from AT&T, $83 a month when they switch from Verizon Wireless, or $92 a month when they switch over from Sprint. Pure Talk is on the same network as the more expensive big brands covering 99% of Americans. It's just at a lower cost and there's no contract. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, only 20 bucks a month, folks. Plus, you'll get 50% off your first month. Stop paying so much. Stop paying too much to big wireless providers. Switch to Pure Talk today and save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250, say the keyword Pure Talk. That's pound 250, keyword Pure Talk. It's Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You'll have the option to receive a one-time auto-dialed text from Pure Talk USA. News Talk 96.5 KPEL, Brobridge, Lafayette. The briefings are back. I'm Chris Foster, Fox News. President Trump plans to speak at a White House coronavirus briefing at 5 p.m. Eastern, bringing back what was a daily event earlier in the outbreak. 
Negotiations are heating up over another round of coronavirus financial relief. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin will meet with Democrats and Republicans on Capitol Hill today as Republicans prepare to unveil a $1 trillion package. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell wants liability protections for schools and businesses, which Democrats oppose. It will take a good faith bipartisan cooperation from our Democratic colleagues to actually make a law. Fox News is told the GOP plan would give state and local governments $100 billion, the majority to help schools reopen safely. Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. As President Trump talks about sending federal officers into more cities, a half dozen mayors ask Attorney General William Barr for the immediate removal of officers clashing with protesters in Portland, Oregon. In Congress... House Democrats are now proposing a bill blocking what they call the paramilitary occupation in Portland. The proposed bill would require agency identification on officers' uniforms, prevent unmarked vehicles from being used during arrests, limit crowd control activities, and inform the public on federal officer deployments within 24 hours. Fox's Jackie Ibanez. Georgia Democrats by committee choose their candidate to hold John Lewis's House seat. He died Friday. Georgia State Senator Nakima Williams was a runaway choice to take Congressman Lewis' spot on the November ballot. Like Lewis, she is a civil rights activist who ventured into politics, learning about policy with Lewis as her example. Williams will face Republican and reality TV personality Angela Stanton King for the seat November 3rd. Fox's Colonel Scott. Joe Biden plans a speech today about his caregiver economy plan, more money for early child care and home health care workers for older Americans. America's listening to Fox News. It's the perfect time for a powerful business refresh during Dell Technologies Cyber Savings Event. It starts now with up to 50% off high-performance Windows 10 business laptops, desktops, and servers, plus top-brand electronics. It's also your chance to streamline IT and simplify PC life cycles with PC as a service. Dell Technologies recommends Windows 10 Pro for business. Call 877-ASK-DELL for a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right tech. That's 877-ASK-DELL or visit dell.com slash smallbusinessdeals. Everyone is talking about David Horowitz's new book, Blitz. It's a number one Amazon bestseller and just hit the New York Times bestseller list. Blitz reveals the truth about Trump. Don Jr. and Mike Huckabee say you need to get Blitz. And follow David Horowitz every night on Newsmax TV, America's fastest growing cable TV channel. Get the new bestseller Blitz at bookstores or get the free offer and save $28. Call 800-NEWSMAX or go to Blitz411.com. That's Blitz411.com. After days of talks, European Union leaders have worked out a $2.1 trillion budget and coronavirus recovery fund. In Israel, a committee of parliament has overturned a government decision to close restaurants as cases spread there following the end of a two-month lockdown. The closing down of beaches and public pools in Israel has been scaled back as well over complaints that that was too excessive. Some Republicans in Congress are planning action over China's role in the coronavirus pandemic. After China, Russia and Iran have been accused of trying to steal vaccine-related information, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy will release a bill today that would sanction foreign hackers trying to steal research. According to Axios, the Defend COVID Research from Hackers Act would give President Trump the ability to sanction any foreign person engaging in activity that threatens cyber health or national security. This does come as a group of senators led by Arizona Senator Martha McSally released the Civil Justice for Victims of COVID Act yesterday. This allows for China to be sued for their role in the pandemic. The bill, if passed into law, would authorize federal courts to freeze Chinese assets in response to lawsuits and allow victims to demand compensation. That according to a statement released by McSally. Fox's Trey Yingst. 
At least 14 employers are suing Whole Foods in federal court for discrimination. They want to wear Black Lives Matter face masks at work. Store managers had previously barred the slogan, citing the company dress code, which prohibits logos not affiliated with the company. For example, would a MAGA or pro NRA face mask be okay? But the suing employees say the Black Lives Mask should be allowed because Whole Foods has permitted rainbow pins in the past. One employee says she was fired for pushing the issue. In a statement, Whole Foods says she was fired for not showing up to work. Tom Graham, Fox News. A few people in southwestern Utah were woken up by an earthquake at 3.44 in the morning, magnitude 3.7 according to the U.S. Geological Survey. I'm Chris Foster. This is Fox News. Your 24-7 news source, on air, online, and with the Cape Hill News app. Now the headlines from the Cape Hill News Center. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick with this update. After receiving 40,000 applications, the state has temporarily suspended a $24 million program to provide rental assistance. State officials say $24 million can only help 10,000 households who are behind on their rent. Louisiana Fair Housing Action Center Director Kashuna Hill says it will take $500 million to address the impending rental crisis and coming foreclosures. No word on what the state is trying to do to allocate more funding. More than a third of Louisiana residents lack access to adequate food sources because of the pandemic unemployment rates. Kevin Barnhart looks into a recent study. A half a million people fall into this new level of poverty in Louisiana since the pandemic started. Center for Planning Excellence is behind the analysis and CEO Camille Manning-Broom says that addition brings the total number of those considered to be food insecure to 1.6 million in the state. What will it take to combat the trend? This is going to take a level of stimulus dollars from the federal government and other dedicated resources to address this. I'm Kevin Barnhart. In Northwest Louisiana alone, we've seen two agencies lower their COVID numbers due to faulty case recordings. The Red River Parish Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness announced just last week that they discovered duplicate positive cases and lowered their official numbers. The governor's office disputed that claim. Now this week, DeSoto Parish Sheriff's Office has announced they've also found duplicates. In Red River Parish, the adjustment lowered the case numbers by 40%. DeSoto Parish slashed its positive cases from 491 to 386 after their discovery. The sheriff also stated the numbers are constantly being corrected and adjusted. They expect to have a full case count no later than next Monday. The Louisiana Restaurant Association predicts a 25 to 30 percent drop in restaurant revenue in 2020 due to the pandemic. LRA CEO Stan Harris said they projected $11 billion for the year before the pandemic that generates over a billion dollars in state and local taxes. Well, that's no longer the case. That's going to reduce those taxes that local communities in the state depend on to sustain their operation. The National Restaurant Association projecting a $240 billion nationwide impact for revenue in 2020. LSU economist Dr. Lauren Scott says the industry is particularly vulnerable because the demand is currently being dictated by the public's level of comfort going out to eat. The second wave must have really been just a crusher to the spirits of the restaurant industry because just as they thought they were coming out of it, now they got to go back into it. Harris previously predicted 25% of state restaurants could permanently close due to the pandemic. 
Scott says much of that is linked to problems making rent. Their problem is they can reduce the number of people, the number of servers, but they can't reduce that fixed cost. And that's what's nailing a lot of them right now. Louisiana Football Coaches Association President Dwayne Jenkins, who's the coach of the Lutcher Bulldogs, says 90 of their 156 members voted to start the season as close to on time as possible or in October. There's also the option to swap fall and spring sports, but Jenkins says that's the last option for many coaches. In national news this morning, Joe Biden says four black women are on his short list for potential running mates. He told MSNBC it's important his administration look like the country. He didn't drop any names, but says four candidates have been vetted so far. He says when that's done, he'll narrow his picks down and talk to them personally. The suspect wanted in the fatal assault on New Jersey federal judge Esther Salas' family is dead from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. It happened in Rockland, New York. The suspect, identified as Roy Den Hollander, was a lawyer who described himself as anti-feminist. He had been presenting a case before Judge Salas that argued the military draft for men is unconstitutional. Hollander was wanted for the shooting death Sunday night of Daniel Arterell, the 20-year-old son of Salas, and the shooting of Salas's husband, 63-year-old Mark Anderl. And finally, President Trump will start holding regular briefings on the coronavirus pandemic again. That's expected to happen this afternoon. He told reporters that his prior briefings brought in record ratings and got out important information. White House advisor Kellyanne Conway said last week that Trump's poll numbers were higher when he was hosting the briefing. Mostly cloudy skies and widely scattered showers and a few thunderstorms out there throughout the course of the day today as we deal with a tropical wave sitting just off the coast of Texas. It's what we had yesterday and what we're going to see again throughout the day today. Today looks very similar to the way it did on Monday. So be prepared for some of that wet weather. Highs are only going to get up to about 88 degrees in the afternoon under mostly cloudy skies. Winds from the southeast at 5 to 10 miles an hour and overnight lows down in the mid-70s. We stay wet and unsettled here through the rest of the week and that's going to pick up again particularly on Thursday, Friday, even into the weekend with another tropical wave that's expected to push its way across the Gulf of Mexico and we'll be sitting on the northern end of that. So more moisture on the way as we get into the weekend. A very unsettled weather pattern here through the rest of the work week. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Right now, 78 degrees here at the KPL studios and 78 degrees with showers. News Talk 96.5, KPL. Right now, traffic. Traffic crash with injuries, Ambassador at West Congress. That's Ambassador at West Congress. We have a traffic crash in Scott. It's right on the Violin Road, just before you get to West Congress. Specifically, Live Island Road between West Congress and Dairyman Lane. That's Live Island between West Congress and Dairyman Lane. Also, Highway 93 at Renault Drive and Scott. Got a fender bender there. That's Highway 93 at Renault. Make sure that you're buckling up and that you're keeping it safe out there today. Please. Lifetime. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hail at the twilight's last gleaming 
whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly Bursting in air Gave proof through the night That our flag was still there Oh, say does that star If you see me dancing in the street, it's an accident. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> like, I fell off my scooter or something. <laughs> okay. It's actually really funny because since I've had this thing, yeah. um, there are definitely kind of like changes to my routine, like where I park, because I okay. know where there are the least cracks I have to roll over <laughs> okay, and everything makes sense, else. Right. And I've also learned like, so just picture this, okay? Oh, okay? Now, don't picture it too clearly. Oh, okay. Fair enough. But it's my left foot that is broken. Uh-huh. So I have to be on that knee. Okay, so I'm scooting with my right foot. Okay, There's some scooting. So what you have to understand is when I go into a bathroom, I have to be careful about which side I'm on. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm also I'm getting it. No uh, circus worker, a trapeze artist. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I have different things, different ways of doing things. But there you go. If you see me dancing in the street, I probably need help. So come help me. Okay. Just what I'm trying Fair to say. Fair enough. Um, another man who's always uh, ready to help is Trooper Thomas Gosson. He joins us on the phone this morning. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Hey, look, we're, we're doing, doing well. well. The The sun is sort of out. It's peeking through some uh, dark clouds, and we're getting a little bit of rain here. But, you know, that's sort of what we're looking at, a uh, wet week. So, anyway, it's good to talk to you. And, um, you know, here's one of the questions, and it's funny because I sort of came into contact with this, and then around the same time I got a question uh, that I wanted to pass along. So the DMV, or the Office of Motor Vehicles here in our state, um, has gone through some changes where they were closed for a while, where they, uh, now some you can make an appointment and everything else. Okay, is there any leeway on things that are not, like say your driver's license is, needs to be renewed or your uh, license tag or, or something like that. Is there any leeway because these offices aren't open regular hours right now? I know some people have some questions about that. <laughs> Well, yes and no, and I, I hate to answer something like that, but as far as for state police, we have been given the directive, look, if, if somebody's, you know, recently expired or expired during this kind of crazy time, then obviously, you know, kind of be lenient. But but that's state police. That, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, all the departments and PDs and SOs around the area are going to do the same thing. Okay. I mean, I mean, you know, 
we hopefully they use common sense and say, look, you know, the offices have been spotty. But if it's been expired for six months, a year, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's yeah. a little bit different story, you yeah. know. So pr- procrastination, you know, on your part does not, you know, mean that there's an emergency on our part that we need to, you know, let you out of that one, you know. So just kind of try, try to get it taken care of. A lot of the private tag agencies can renew licenses, do a lot of the paperwork when the DMVs are closed. Uh, so kind of look into the private agencies that handle the DMV work in the area. They can help you out a little bit. There is a convenience fee that you pay, you know, but uh, but they can help you get these sort of things sorted out, depending on what it is. They can't lift all flags on licenses. Some things have to be done in Karen Crow at the, at, at, at the main DMV, but mo- a lot of the other things can be assisted by them. Some of the other ones. Okay, so basically, yeah. um, don't use it back because you um, have a tag that expired in 2018. Mm-hmm. But if you had sure. something that expired, I don't know, maybe the 1st of July, um, that might yeah. be something um, to look at. Just be responsible with it. Okay, let's talk about Correct. Amber Alert. Um, there are people who you know, misunderstand some of the alerts. You have Amber Alerts, you have Silver Alerts, and that is for you know mm-hmm. elderly uh, members of our mm-hmm. state and, and folks That's who right. go missing. But there is a specific set of criteria that goes with an Amber Alert or, you know, that are required for an Amber Alert to be issued in specific instances. I wanted to run through that just a little bit because it does seem like we have a lot of the confusion. And and we're, of course, hearing of more and more things. But these things have a specific use. They do. Uh, This uh, Amber Alert actually came to operation in in 19, I'm sorry, 2002. Seems like it's been longer than that, but it's really just since 2002. While we think it is activated a lot, it's actually not. Um, yeah, as far as for statewide, I, I know since I've been in, in the PIO spot for, for about two years, I think I've only assisted with like maybe two in the, in the past two years. Mm-hmm. So it's not often. And, and the reason it's not often is because we don't want to water down the system. You know, when those Amber Alerts go off and they go out to everyone, we want them people to take notice of it. And because, because it, it doesn't have to meet certain criteria, Keep in mind what happened. This was named after Amber Hagerman, who was abducted in Dallas in her neighborhood. Witnesses saw it. They had detailed descriptions of everything that happened. They reported it, but there was really no network in place to get the message out. She was found four days later, only like four miles away from her house. So, you know, had that network been in place, they could have possibly done so, something. Now, it, it does not get used you know, it's not the only resource to be utilized whenever it gets issued, right? Um, it's not applicable in every single situation. Um, it's not for every missing child, and it's not really designed for custodial conflicts when mom didn't bring a child home or dad didn't bring mom, a child back to mom when he was designed to. That is not going to trip an Amber Alert. So it has to meet certain things. There's actually a 100 plans throughout the country that are that are interoperable. In other words, they, they coincide with each other. And Amber Alert is just a, a plan which can act in conjunction with all these other plans. So it's not the only thing out there. Um, and when you look at the statistics of it, though, you know, like there have been six, almost 650,000 missing children entered in NCIC. It's in a national crime database. Um, about 100 to 200 are non-family abductions, and that's the ones we really want to focus on when it comes to Amber Alerts, is the non-family abductions. 
um, one in 10,000 of those reported are murdered. And, and, you know, so that's less than 1% of all murders in the United States. But in, in, in looking at all this stuff, what we want to understand is what's, what's the guideline. So it, you have to, it has to be that law enforcement has confirmed that the child is under the age of 17 and has been abducted. Um, the law enforcement believes that the circumstances surrounding the abduction indicate that the child is in serious danger or in danger of bodily harm. And it must be descriptive, and here's a big one too, it must be descriptive, there must be enough information about the child, the abductor, and the suspect's uh, vehicle to believe that a broadcast is going to even help. In other mm-hmm. words, if, if, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean, yeah. one of yeah. our children goes missing, but mm-hmm. we have no idea who took them, and no, no description of whatsoever, that's not going to trip an Amber Alert, because me telling you guys that, is, what, what are you going to say? Kid, kid went missing, you know? Right. It, it, you have to be enough stuff there for people to 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 be able to assist and help um so there there are things that people need to understand about it and 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 that it's not going to be just be sent out for no reason whatsoever you know um there 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 are certain people in charge of this it's not just coming to me by any means we as as the public information crowd help get it to you guys the radio the broadcasters all these all these alerts but remember there's more than one system so a lot of times the local systems will trip in a a local area Mm -hmm. sometimes the questions i get when when we do put out an endangered or missing child alert is that well man this is 12 hours ago why are we just getting it now you know and and it makes sense i i ask the same questions like look this 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 information is very old why am i just getting it now and the reason why is because it's been sent to their local or regional area first, and then it disseminates out wider and wider, from my understanding. Plus, it has to meet the criteria and go through several levels. So the state coordinator for the Amber Alert system is actually Sergeant Michelle King, and there is a specific website, you know, Amber Alert Louisiana, clearing for missing and exploited children. So um, we we want people to understand that when you see these Amber Alerts, it's not just... um, for everything, and it, and it really means that there's some crucial information in there that you could possibly help with. So I, I know some of them go off at, at cr- critical times, and I think one went off in a June of Super Bowl one year, mm-hmm. uh, a few years back, and, and people were livid about it. You know, they were so upset. But, but think about this. If this is your child or someone in your family yes. where this information is known, if you get it out there, it could possibly help. So, you know, please understand that there there are things that, you know, we do need help with, and this is this is actually one of them that you could actually be a big part of when those alerts go out. I want to talk about ages because I know there is a certain age in which investigators would say, you know, uh, they haven't been missing for a long enough time or we haven't mm-hmm. figured out that they are actually missing. Did they just run away? Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, a child could be in danger even if they do run away, but you don't necessarily want to, you know, redirect resources that way. I, how do you make that determination? Look, a lot of that's going to be done by the, like, the the, the Michelle King and those mm-hmm. people that are in this missing child alert system. So, you know, it has to be child 17 or under. And there has to be an abduction. So those are the key things. It can't just be uh, a child who frequently run away, uh, who runs away, you, that you, you know, we don't think that there's an immediate danger or, or, or their life is at risk. 
there's a difference between someone abducting someone in a parking lot or down the street, grabbing them, throwing them in a vehicle, as opposed to a child who, you know, frequently runs away. So, you know, there's a, there's a big difference between those two. And we're not going to, like I said, we're not going to overutilize the system because then it waters it down. People hear the alerts. They won't even read them because they think, well, here it goes again. You know, and it's yeah. not going to be that. So it, uh, that's what I want people to understand, that it, it, when you hear these alerts, please, please pay attention to them because they do, they do, they do vet them before they put them out. Yeah, and it's important. You don't know if you're going to see that car driving down your residential street, down the interstate where you might be driving to get to work. I mean, you know, and every minute counts when it comes to these kids. You know, I think in the last 15, I think it's about about the last 15, uh, let's see, since 2015, I think there's only been around 15, 13 or 15 alerts. And all of the children were were located that have been sent out an alert about, uh, that the alert was sent out about. So, you know, that's, um, that, that's I, I think it's a good good thing to be part of, you know. Now, Indeed. if it doesn't meet the criteria, if it doesn't meet the criteria, it doesn't mean that it can't be sent out. But it's not going to be sent out on that level as far as that meets the Amber Alert level. Um, it, can, it can go out as a level two media advisory, and I will push those out to the media that will let some you know, let some of their, their area know that this is this something that's going on with this child. You know, and there are certain criteria that we have to have here that number or information we have to have. But it, it again, it's not the Amber Alert system. And Rob, you brought up the Silver Alert. That, that again, that's for, for, for the elderly. A lot of times it's with dementia that went missing, um, you know, which, which can be very critical. I know back in just a few months back, we had one in Acadia Parish that went, you know, that showed up in Acadia Parish in a rural area that the body was found, you know, weeks and weeks later. And that was a silver alert that went, had went out as well. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes they don't always always work out, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, so. Trooper Thomas Gosson. Uh, such great information as always. And, and you know, I think for you know. people just to know the process, you, you don't yeah. want to find yourself in that situation. But, you know, when you get emotional, sometimes you make mistakes. And uh, it's important to make sure you contact the right folks. Trooper, yeah. thanks so much for and, your time. Amber, and, and, and let me just say this, amberalert at la.gov is the email that you can you can send an email to, amberalert at la.gov, or you can call Louisiana State Police Headquarters in Baton Rouge. Perfect. You know, and they'll have to follow it. follow up. Yes, indeed. Yes. All right. Thanks so yeah, much, Louis- Trooper L- Thomas LSP.org. You're welcome. LSP.org. Go to that and check it out. We shall do so. All right, man. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right. Thank right. you. 7.30 now at News Talk 96.5 KPL. Your headlines are just after a quick break. Stay with us. Implicit bias. We've all got it. Many hurl the term as an insult. I take it as a compliment. I'm Kavon Bordelon, and I like being a Catholic, conservative, fun-loving guy. So let's talk about that and everything surrounding those ideals. 11 a.m. Saturdays, Implicit Bias on News Talk 96.5 KPL. It's the bottom of the hour. Now the top stories from KPL965.com. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. Roads are wet out there this morning and more rain is in the forecast. We'll get up to 88 degrees today. The National Hurricane Center is monitoring three tropical waves, but none of the disturbances are a serious threat to Louisiana at this time. State climatologist Barry Kimes says a weak low pressure area south of the Texas-Louisiana border it's caught the attention of forecasters, but it's expected just to bring that tropical moisture to our area. Kimes says there's another disturbance way out in the Atlantic and the other over Cuba, both heading towards the Gulf of Mexico. 
He says this disorganized area of showers and thunderstorms should get into the Gulf today. Your full forecast from Daniel Phillips is just ahead. House Speaker Clay Schecksnyder is discouraging fellow Republicans from supporting an effort spearheaded by Shreveport Republican Alan Seabop to revoke the governor's coronavirus pandemic state of emergency. Schecksnyder says the petition fixes nothing and adds that the move could trigger more overrides for ongoing executive orders tied to previous natural disasters. He said it could be a hurdle for the governor's authority to tackle future events. Seabock called the speaker's response, quote, fear-mongering. A state rental assistance program is temporarily suspended due to an overwhelming response after less than a week. Matt Doyle has the story. The $24 million program was designed to help 10,000 low-income families and ended up receiving 40,000 applications. Louisiana Fair Housing Action Center Director Kashana Hill says it's a drop in the bucket compared to the $500 million that will be needed to address the state's impending rent crisis affecting 130,000 Louisiana families. Over 27,000 families in New Orleans area, 14,000 families in Baton Rouge, 5,800 families in Washita Parish, and over 3,000 families in Lafayette. I'm Matt Doyle. The back and forth between Governor John Bell Edwards and Attorney General Jeff Landry continues. Landry sent another letter to Edwards yesterday criticizing him for cheering on recent social justice protest events, even though they could have contributed to the latest surge in coronavirus cases. Edwards' staff says there's no evidence of that being a cause of the spread. Landry is also not happy the governor chose to shut down bars, but Edwards says contact tracing has shown that bars contributed to hundreds of new cases. Baton Rouge police are investigating an officer-involved shooting that killed a domestic violence suspect at his Tigerland apartment early yesterday morning. The identities of the officer and the deceased have not been released, but a portion of body cam footage has been sent out. Four officers involved in that shooting were placed on administrative leave. A canine officer injured in the gunfire is in stable condition. The suspect was wanted on a warrant obtained in May, and they said officials had tracked him down to the apartment complex after a tip given to Crime Stoppers. Chief Murphy Paul says during the incident, officers saw the man appearing from a rear room. The officers retreated from the apartment while giving loud verbal commands. The suspect armed himself with a weapon and confronted officers at the entrance to the apartment. When the suspect pointed the weapon at the officers, they fired, striking him. Paul said all the officers had their body cameras activated and a snippet of that footage we played a few seconds ago was released after the family of the deceased reviewed that video. Although they preferred that the body camera video not be released today, they allowed us to release some of the footage for the sake of transparency and for the best interests of public safety. Back here locally, if you see a Bell 206 helicopter flying over Lafayette in the next few days, here's why. LUS, along with the Energy Authority and Geodigital International, will be conducting an aerial survey of 40 miles of high-voltage transmission lines throughout the city of Lafayette. In a press release, LUS says the helicopter will fly slowly, approximately 500 feet above the ground, as they take a look at those high-voltage lines and capture images that will allow LUS to inspect their own system. The aerial survey, which local authorities have been made aware of, is expected to start tomorrow and last for just about a week. If you're seen wearing a mask while in New Orleans, you could be given a raffle ticket 
worth $10,000. Matt Doyle has the story. It's the brainchild of Crew of Red Beans founder Devin DeWolf. I used to be a school teacher, and when you're an educator, you learn really quickly the power of positive reinforcement. DeWolf says they began handing out the raffle tickets Monday and will continue to do so until August 3rd with a drawing on August 4th. He says they're focusing on areas of the city with the highest rate of infections and hoping to get more residents on board with that $10,000 drawing. Just got to mask up. <laughs> I'm Matt Doyle. The hits from rapper Kanye West just keep coming. After his tear-filled political rally in South Carolina on Sunday, West continued his verbal rampage on Twitter yesterday, and this time he set his sights on the Kardashians, the family he married into. The presidential hopeful started lighting up his own account, claiming the Jordan Peele-directed psychological thriller Get Out is actually about him. He then claimed his wife, Kim Kardashian, and other members of the family attempted to have him committed for saying he almost killed his daughter, North, during the South Carolina rally. In another tweet, he has since deleted. Kanye claimed Kris Jenner and Corey Gamble were forbidden to see his children and accused them of trying to lock him up. Since announcing his intent to run for president on the 4th of July, Kanye's time in the limelight has been peppered with often incoherent ramblings and dramatic outbursts. And finally, history buffs or just anyone looking for a hiding place may be interested in an upcoming auction in North Dakota. The item to be auctioned is a Cold War missile silo near Fairdale in Walsh County. The auction comes up in August. The owner is selling the silo that was part of a larger complex based in Cavalier, North Dakota. Now, some development land is also available. The silo includes 14 Sprint missile launch tubes. Warheads are not included. Widespread on again, off again. Showers throughout the course of the day today. Another fairly wet day, similar to the way it was yesterday, where at times you get a decent downpour and a little bit of a break and another round of rainfall following it up after that. And we're going to see that continue throughout the remainder of the day today. With the clouds and the showers, temperatures should stay in the upper 80s throughout the afternoon. Overnight lows back down in the mid-70s with winds from the southeast at about 5 to 10 miles an hour. Wet, unsettled weather continuing through the rest of the week, picking up on Thursday and Friday. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Our weather update being brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Louisiana. It's summer, but COVID-19 not taking a vacation. Cases are on the rise, and Blue Cross wants the good times to roll again. Mask up so we can get back to our festivals, parades, and tailgates. You're listening to American Ground Radio's Morning Minute. Last week, Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards asked for three days of fasting and prayer over the COVID virus during lunchtime this week. You know, we talk about the power of prayer, and that's important indeed, but how many more prayers will be needed for those who are out of work, who have lost a business, who are suffering at home in isolation? No, we need to open back up our economy and get kids back in school and allow America to get back to the business of America. And by the way, where were all those prayers from John Bell for the unborn when he allowed the abortion clinics to remain open while businesses had to shut down? What would really help those businesses is if the governor canceled his emergency declaration and allowed Louisiana to get back to business. American Ground Radio, where building a better America begins with building a better us. Return each Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. with Louis R. Abalone and Stephen Park. On News Talk 96.5 KPL and streaming live at kpel96.5.com. 
From the ESPN 1420 Sports Center, I'm Scott Prather, where negative tests equal positive news in sports. That was the case yesterday when the NBA announced that the coronavirus tests given to all 346 players at the league's bubble campus in Orlando, Florida, zero positive results were netted. So in the last eight days, there have been zero positive coronavirus tests, a positive sign as the NBA is set to resume their season a week from Thursday. Pelicans against the Jazz on July 30th. Meanwhile, in the NFL, according to ESPN NFL reporter Adam Schefter, the Players Association does not want to play any preseason games this summer, and the NFL owners made them that offer yesterday. Players have been pushing for no preseason games this year, as the league was seeking to have them play two instead of the usual four. That's a look at sports. I'm Scott Prather, News Talk 96.5. Hey, Pat. Phone lines are open. Call the show at 232-1542. 232-1542. Then listen live anytime with the free KPL News app. Free in the App Store or Google Play. News Talk 96.5. KPL. Right now, traffic. All right, double-checking all this traffic out there this morning. Make sure you're buckling up. It is looking a little bit better. They're still reporting the little fender bender on Love Island between West Congress and Dairyman Lane. That's Love Island between West Congress and Dairyman Lane. So just be aware that that is still out there today. Look, uh, be careful. And if you do see some traffic trouble, you can always call us at 232-1542. Our traffic update brought to you by Broussard Poche, certified public accountants. Seven forty-six now at Newstalk ninety-six-five KPL. I challenge you not to be excited to wake up when we're seeing a little bit of sun out there. It's not currently raining in Acadiana, and of course, you have your girl Bernie and your boy Rob with you. Hey, joining us, the Tuesday talker, <laughs> and now um, we have Chad. Yeah, yeah, we love to have him on talking trash. Actually, it is raining a little bit harder now, but you know, it's all right. Um, oh, so put me in the picture and it's much raining. Yeah, there you I go. know. <laughs> Welcome in. The rain has started. Um, okay, so w- there is something I kind of doodled um, on my on my paper yesterday afternoon, kind of preparing for the day, and I was reading a story about you know just how people are managing during this time. You know, and and now this is an event you can't prepare for. You know, the COVID nineteen to you know if your business, you know. You went down to no sales, no profit during this time, and you're really stuck. This is right. something you can't prepare for. And I hope that it, you know, encourages people to prepare for the things you know are coming. And that is maybe retirement, um, maybe uh, unexpected emergency that happens, a home repair, an expensive car repair. You may as well just bet on the fact that these things are going to happen now and again. Just Saturday in my own life, got in the car, in the garage, car wouldn't start. Need a new battery. Thought for a second it was the alternator, which you know how I feel about that. I usually don't even put mm-hmm. new new tires on a car. I just get a new car. <laughs> I know, Chad, that's a bad thing to do. But um, but anyway, know. you know, you start to look at this and and you really start to think about okay, how does this planning work? And I wrote down the word relationship, and and that's the question. I mean, it's the relationship that you have with your money. Do you treat it like a luxury? Is it something you're happy to spend? Or do you really treat it, you know, as a security guard, you know, in case something unexpected comes, you know, out of the woodwork, 
you have a way to pay for things. Yeah, you know, I think finding that relationship between yourself and your money is a uh, is a very important idea, if you will. And you know, asking that simple question, what type of relationship do you have with your money? I think ever I always chuckle whenever I ask that, and I think everybody else does because they they automatically flash to some either. I mean, I'm not going to use any weird metaphors, obviously, to describe what they flash to. But but the, I think they can relate to that question about, you know, at least getting honest with themselves about what that true relationship looks like. Some are a lot more intimate, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, sure. I would agree that I have a pretty intimate relationship with my money, right? Mm-hmm. Some people just bury their head in the sand and don't have any type of relationship with their money. So mm-hmm. gauging that level is kind of going to help any advisor dictate, you know, how we tackle each part of your plan moving forward. And and I think that's a, a really, I think it's a funny conversation whenever uh, people start describing their relationship with their money. So that is a huge part of whenever we do get started and, and, and talking about where they want to go and how they want to be there. You know, it also comes down to, you know, I'll tell you this, in my own you know, personal life, th- here's what works for us. We have a CEO-CFO relationship, okay? Now, nothing happens, mm-hmm. nothing is done by the CEO without the CFO signing <laughs> off on it, okay? At the same time, when the CFO is worried about something, then the CEO can step in and say, well, wait, we're thinking about this a little bit wrong. It's worth spending this at this point. Number one, Chad, can you guess which one is the CFO and which one is the CEO? Um, you're the CEO is my guess. You got it. You got it. And, and you know what? Because it's an out of sight, out of mind thing. And I know that's probably not healthy. Occasionally we have quarterly meetings to just, Hey, let's look at this. Maybe we should refinance our house. Maybe we should do this. Maybe we should move this. We do that. But the rest of the time, I know the boundaries in which I can live as the CEO. I know the boundaries, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I maybe that's the wrong way to think I about think it. You hit the, no, I think you hit the nail on the head, to I be agree. honest. Yeah. Um, because it, I, I think there's always one person in the family, and I think defining these roles, obviously, in a married situation, you know, I, I deal with mainly one person in the family, and they kind of communicate to the other. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's very important to describe those roles so, so that one person kind of knows where everything is. And obviously, we got to let communicate with the other one, but... Let's face it, a lot of times one spouse is more financially savvy than the other and just maybe a better fit for that role. There's no other way to put it. It's that simple. And and how do we use that to benefit ourselves in the short term, long term, and, and anything in between? Okay, so let's talk about, you know, there, there's this line that my father-in-law uses, and it's, I mean, he's just full of these. I mean, I've told you about it's a White House, but it's not the White House. And that is his thought about Mm -hmm. rental properties. I mean, they're just different things. There's another thing he loves to say, and I won't use the actual word on the radio, but he says money talks and BS walks. You know, and and when you're trying to deal with something, maybe you're trying to buy this dream house. Maybe you get in a bidding war with someone. Well, guess who it comes down to? The person who has the money, not the person who still has to go meet with a banker and, and do these things. And that's what planning does for you to sort of have those things ready to go in the barrel when something like this comes up. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. We had that conversation 
I actually had that conversation with a client yesterday in, in regards to the exact same thing. I am a huge cash fanatic. I love cash. And uh, there's nobody that I've ever not run into that they're, they're kind of surprised when I say, no, we actually can't do anything right now. You just need to save as much cash as you can. And, and, and I think they look, and, and a lot of advisors say that. It's not just me, but right. I'm a cash is king guy. I love cash, even a little bit of overabundance of cash, because it's that true safety net. There's nothing like it. So you're spot on with that, because if you do have a goal um, and you have cash and we call it leverage, um, you're in like Flynn, if you will. Yeah, and just... You know, just doing that, making it work for you. You know, there's a there's another kind of school of thought that's, you know, you 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 want to don't want to work to live. You want to you don't want to live to work. You want to work to live. You know, and have that right. have what you do be a part of you. But you know, support the things you actually want to do. Yeah, look, I'm a I'm a huge work life balance, right? I mean, that's fun is what did I say? It's twenty percent of your income. Right. I love that still to go back to that budgeting thing that 60, 20 and 20, right? 20 save, 20 fun and 60 pay the bills. And if you can truly live by that simple amount, I mean, uh, that's about as simple as it gets. Yep. And, and that's and that's an important way to start. All right. What are, are people talking about right now? You know, I love to kind of take the temperature with you and see when clients come into your office. What are they what are they talking about? So, you know, the hot topic right now is kind of, do I take money out of my 401k to pay debt? Because, you know, that 10% rule is kind of waived. And um, I'll I'll just kind of remind everybody, um, if you want to see some fun numbers, talk to somebody who knows how to crunch the numbers. And you taking, you know, $10,000 out of a $100,000 401k balance, how that is going to affect your retirement over the next 20 years. So, Leave the 401ks alone unless it's an absolute necessity, even without the 10% penalty. So that's that's quick advice for today. Leave the 401ks and IRAs alone. All right. Wow. Chad Romero, the Tuesday talker and financial advisor, planner, extraordinaire. Thank you so much for your time. Um, at the end of the day, Chad's uh, message, I'm just going to say it for him, is just speak to someone else. Get an unemotional third party who does this every day with you know portfolio balances 10 times smaller than yours and 10 times bigger than yours maybe 100 times bigger than yours you know to actually just give you some context i think that's what a lot of people lack you know maybe you're just putting all your money into a savings account when you know what maybe you should invest some of it that's all that's all a part of it and you know cash is king though so there you go mm-hmm. yeah all right, Chad. Thanks, y'all. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, what else oh. is going on? Hey, we just have about a minute or so left. What else oh. is going on in your life? Oh, okay. now, that we, now that we've done like, with the business yeah. and things we wanted to talk about, I mean, how, how's Chad? I'm good. Business is good. Uh, I think we're trying to plan a trip whenever school starts. Ah. We don't We don't know whenever that's going to be. Yeah. Um, they keep pushing it back. So, uh, so I think that's what we're kind of following is to – um, you know, when the kids are going to go back to school, all the parents are talking and texting on the groups, right? When's all this going to start with the private and Catholic school? Are we going to follow the public school? So we're just wearing our masks in public and, and really trying to get through this. And I, I, I want to see that there's a bright light on the other side. Um, but we're staying optimistic. You know how it goes. Trying, I'm trying to make it like every other business owner and individual. 
<laughs> right. yeah, out there. <laughs> you know, I I really am, and and I think we're all in the same boat. So the more we can come together and get past this thing, and uh, is and come out on the other side better and more knowledgeable about everything. Yeah, you know. No, I think yes. so too. All right, Chad. Good talking to you. All right, y'all. Have a good day. You Talk too. next week. Hey, it's going right. to be uh, rainy and wet oh, today. God. 88 degrees is our high. Make sure you bring your umbrella with you, and yes. we'll, of course, keep you up to date as it happens all day long. 7.56 now at Newstalk 96.5 KPL. The loudest voices on the biggest issues impacting your life. It's the stories of people here helping people here. Continuing the long tradition of informing you in Acadiana. I mean, who would wake up any other way? News Talk 96.5 KPL. Depend on it. Get the best sleep of your life. Helix makes personalized mattresses to fit your unique body type and sleep preferences. Go to helixsleep.com and get up to $200 off mattress. Fox News commentary. Honoring American sacrifice. More next. Everyone is talking about David Horowitz's new book, Blitz. It's a number one Amazon bestseller and just hit the New York Times bestseller list. Blitz reveals the truth about Trump. Don Jr. and Mike Huckabee say you need to get Blitz. And follow David Horowitz every night on Newsmax TV, America's fastest growing cable TV channel. Get the new bestseller Blitz at bookstores or get the free offer and save $28. Call 800-NEWSMAX or go to Blitz411.com. That's Blitz411.com. Last week, I had the pleasure of traveling to France with the Trump administration's national security advisor, Robert O'Brien. On the last day of his trip, O'Brien and his entourage went to a U.S. World War I cemetery at Bella Wood. O'Brien heard stories about two of the nearly 2,300 American war dead laid to rest at this cemetery, and he laid a wreath. Many of these young men were killed in the summer of 1918, fighting for freedom in a foreign land far from home. We listened to the Star-Spangled Banner play. Then we heard Taps, which was especially moving in that setting. We have flaws in this country, past and present. There's no getting around that, and we should strive to be better. But we are also the greatest nation in the history of the world, and it's the ultimate sacrifice of our fallen men and women and the men and women in uniform that today put themselves at risk to defend our country and our way of life that should remind us to always be proud and grateful to be Americans. That's your Fox News commentary. Get the latest headlines online anytime with the KPL News app. Download it for free in the App Store and Google Play. KPEL FM, Brobridge, Lafayette. No more money for testing and a payroll tax cut. I'm Chris Foster, Fox News. Those are some of President Trump's demands for a new coronavirus financial package from Congress. Some Senate Republicans disagree with those demands as negotiations continue with Democrats on other Republican priorities. That includes a payroll tax cut. And Republicans also want to revise the expiring $600 bonus to unemployment insurance. They say they do not want people to make more while unemployed than they do while working. House Democrats have already passed the HEROES Act a $3 trillion package with an extension to the enhanced unemployment and an additional $1,200 check to individuals. Fox's Ray Bogan, the European Union's coronavirus recovery plans agreed to. French President Emmanuel Macron saying European leaders have struck what he calls a truly historic deal. The EU's 27 countries agreeing an $857 billion rescue package to stimulate economies amid the coronavirus pandemic. Fox's Simon Owen. During another night of protests in Portland, Oregon, police say people lit fires and tried to break into a federal courthouse. 
Federal officers are there. Rather than disengage rioters, they've instead drawn some of the biggest crowds the area has seen in weeks. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler has called for federal officers to leave, saying someone is going to get killed if they don't. Before the federal troops got here, violence was way down, vandalism was way down. Our local and state law enforcement officials had contained the situation. The president chiming in saying Portland was out of control and he won't let the destruction continue. Continue. Brenna Kelly with Fox 12, Oregon. The Trump administration imposes trade sanctions on 11 companies it says are implicated in human rights abuses against Muslim minorities in China. The Chinese government accuses the U.S. of interference in domestic affairs. America's listening to Fox News. It's the perfect time for a powerful business refresh during Dell Technologies Cyber Savings Event. It starts now with up to 50% off high-performance Windows 10 business laptops, desktops, and servers, plus top-brand electronics. It's also your chance to streamline IT and simplify PC life cycles with PC as a service. Dell Technologies recommends Windows 10 Pro for business. Call 877-ASK-DELL for a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right tech. That's 877-ASK-DELL or visit dell.com slash smallbusinessdeals. Everyone is talking about David Horowitz's new book, Blitz. It's a number one Amazon bestseller and just hit the New York Times bestseller list. Blitz reveals the truth about Trump. Don Jr. and Mike Huckabee say you need to get Blitz. And follow David Horowitz every night on Newsmax TV, America's fastest growing cable TV channel. Get the new bestseller Blitz at bookstores or get the free offer and save $28. Call 800-NEWSMAX or go to Blitz411.com. That's Blitz411.com. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is in London. He's been meeting with the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. The maker of the weed killer Roundup loses an appeal in court. Bayer lost an appeal in the first case that links its weed killer Roundup to cancer. The California appeals court, however, greatly reduced the damages to $20.4 million. In 2018, a jury awarded groundskeeper Dwayne Johnson $289 million after agreeing Roundup caused his non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. The trial judge reduced that to $78.5 million. The appellate court's decision may make it tougher for Bayer to reach settlements with similar plaintiffs who have not signed on to a nearly $11 billion deal to settle 125,000 cases. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. Rookies report to training camp today ahead of the 2020 NFL season. There's still several unknowns for the NFL and the NFL Players Association to hammer out over COVID-19 protocols, including a proper testing regimen for athletes. But rookies reporting for training camp today will have tested negative for the coronavirus after providing a sample just days prior. This says injured vets arrived to camp for their own COVID-19 test this afternoon. This adjustment on the calendar meant to allow rookies more time to get a feel for the playbook, having lost most of the offseason to the coronavirus pandemic. Full training camps are expected to be up and running a week from today. Matt Napolitano. Fox News. And the forecast? High heat and humidity continues for the East Coast with temperatures feeling well over 100 degrees. Heat advisories are still posted for the Carolinas into the mid-Atlantic. Severe weather and the risk for flash flooding will be possible, stretching from the plains to the mid-Atlantic and the Ohio Valley. We're watching a tropical wave bringing scattered storms for South Florida and the Keys. The disturbance is going to move into the Gulf of Mexico, bringing wet weather and scattered thunderstorms for that region. And over the West, above average temperatures making things uncomfortable for parts of Washington and Oregon, another high fire danger day for parts of the Great Basin. Fox meteorologist Janice Dean. I'm Chris Foster, Fox News.
your 24-7 news source on air, online, and with the Cape Hill News app. Now the headlines from the Cape Hill News Center. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick with this update. After receiving 40,000 applications, the state has temporarily suspended a $24 million program to provide rental assistance. State officials say $24 million can only help 10,000 households who are behind on their rent. Louisiana Fair Housing Action Center Director Kashuna Hill says it will take $500 million to address the impending rental crisis and coming foreclosures. No word on what the state is trying to do to allocate more funding. More than a third of Louisiana residents lack access to adequate food sources because of the pandemic unemployment rates. Kevin Barnhart looks into a recent study. A half a million people fall into this new level of poverty in Louisiana since the pandemic started. Center for Planning Excellence is behind the analysis and CEO Camille Manning-Broom says that addition brings the total number of those considered to be food insecure to 1.6 million in the state. What will it take to combat the trend? This is going to take a level of stimulus dollars from the federal government and other dedicated resources to address this. I'm Kevin Barnhart. In Northwest Louisiana alone, we've seen two agencies lower their COVID numbers due to faulty case recordings. The Red River Parish Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness announced just last week that they discovered duplicate positive cases and lowered their official numbers. The governor's office disputed that claim. Now this week, DeSoto Parish Sheriff's Office has announced they've also found duplicates. In Red River Parish, the adjustment lowered the case numbers by 40%. DeSoto Parish slashed its positive cases from 491 to 386 after their discovery. The sheriff also stated the numbers are constantly being corrected and adjusted. They expect to have a full case count no later than next Monday. The Louisiana Restaurant Association predicts a 25 to 30 percent drop in restaurant revenue in 2020 due to the pandemic. LRA CEO Stan Harris said they projected $11 billion for the year before the pandemic That generates over a billion dollars in state and local taxes. Well, that's no longer the case. That's going to reduce those taxes that local communities in the state depend on to sustain their operation. The National Restaurant Association projecting a $240 billion nationwide impact for revenue in 2020. LSU economist Dr. Lauren Scott says the industry is particularly vulnerable because the demand is currently being dictated by the public's level of comfort going out to eat. The second wave must have really been just a crusher to the spirits of the restaurant industry. Because just as they thought they were coming out of it, now they got to go back into it. Harris previously predicted 25% of state restaurants could permanently close due to the pandemic. Scott says much of that is linked to problems making rent. Their problem is they can reduce the number of people, the number of servers, but they can't reduce that fixed cost. And that's what's nailing a lot of them right now. Louisiana Football Coaches Association President Dwayne Jenkins, who's the coach of the Lutcher Bulldogs, says 90 of their 156 members voted to start the season as close to on time as possible or in October. There's also the option to swap fall and spring sports, but Jenkins says that's the last option for many coaches. In national news this morning, Joe Biden says four black women are on his short list for potential running mates. He told MSNBC it's important his administration looked like the country. 
He didn't drop any names, but says four candidates have been vetted so far. He says when that's done, he'll narrow his picks down and talk to them personally. The suspect wanted in the fatal assault on New Jersey federal judge Esther Salas' family is dead from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. It happened in Rockland, New York. The suspect, identified as Roy Den Hollander, was a lawyer who described himself as anti-feminist. He had been presenting a case before Judge Salas that argued the military draft for men is unconstitutional. Hollander was wanted for the shooting death Sunday night of Daniel Arterell, the 20-year-old son of Salas, and the shooting of Salas' husband, 63-year-old Mark Anderl. And finally, President Trump will start holding regular briefings on the coronavirus pandemic again. That's expected to happen this afternoon. He told reporters that his prior briefings brought in record ratings and got out important information. White House advisor Kellyanne Conway said last week that Trump's poll numbers were higher when he was hosting the briefing. Widespread on again, off again showers throughout the course of the day today. Another fairly wet day, similar to the way it was yesterday, where at times get a decent downpour and a little bit of a break and another round of rainfall following it up after that. And we're going to see that continue throughout the remainder of the day today. With the clouds and the showers, temperatures should stay in the upper 80s throughout the afternoon. Overnight lows back down in the mid-70s with winds from the southeast at about 5 to 10 miles an hour. Wet, unsettled weather continuing through the rest of the week, picking up on Thursday and Friday. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Right now, 78 degrees here at KPL. Our weather update brought to you by the Matthew James Financial Group. Wealth management and retirement planning is just a phone call away, 366 8366 8366 News Talk 96.5 KPL. Right now, traffic. Right now, we do have a traffic crash with injuries. It's on Camellia right near Mount Vernon. It's a crash with injuries. Camellia right near Mount Vernon. Over in Scott, we have a fender bender on St. Mary Street between Jules and Lions Club Road. Again, that's over in Scott on St. Mary Street. It's right in the area between Jules and Lions Club Road. So make sure that you're buckling up out there. Our traffic update brought to you by Eat Lafayette. Acadiana's own celebration of local restaurants invites you to Feed the RV and win. With Feed the RV Bingo, play now when you visit eatlafayette.com. And remember, your good taste is always showing when you eat Lafayette. All right, it is 8-12 now at News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to Acadiana's Morning News. Rain in the forecast all day as three, count them three, One, tropical two, systems three. are being watched right now by forecasters. So yeah, nothing, nice? nothing crazy in the forecast right now, just more <laughs> rain as we have a system um, right off the, it's moved a little bit on shore, but around the Texas-Louisiana line. All right, Mike Desell and our good friend, Deidre Druyette, of uh, joining us this morning from DOTD as, you know, there is so much to talk about because guess what? Work has still had to continue yep. on our roads in Acadiana as, you know, everything else in the world has seemed to have come to a stop. Good morning to both of you. It's it's good to talk to you. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having us. So, uh, obviously, we wanted to, to talk to uh, the new district engineer administrator. That's Mike Desell. And, um, and, you know, Deidre, maybe you know best how to sort of introduce him and, and tell our listeners what he does in our area, in the region, especially in these development projects. 
Well, um, first of all, thank you all so much for having us on the show this morning. But I'm, I'm actually going to switch it over to Mike and kind of let him introduce himself and uh, kind of give him free reign on that. Awesome. Good morning, Mike. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Rob. So, um, yeah, I actually I come from Alexandria. I'm new to the Lafayette area. Uh, only been here about a month living here. Um, I did move here. But uh, basically, as the district engineer administrator, I'm, I'm responsible for all the functions of DOTD within the eight parishes that make up District 03, the Lafayette District. So you're a busy man, I am betting. Hey, so far, how do you like Lafayette? I actually like it a lot. Um, I married a local woman, so I've been I've been coming here for about the last two and a half years on the weekend. So, to be honest, I'm I'm pretty familiar with the area. Knew that I wanted to to find a job opportunity and move here. So it all worked out. Oh, indeed. So I'll, I'll say you that, tell you this, um, and I don't know if you've already figured this out or if this was part of what your your previous position entailed. People are very passionate about roads here. <laughs> Um, they're passionate about, you know, the timelines for projects, when they're going to happen. This thing I have to drive through all the time. Um, roundabouts here in our area, which, I mean, Alexandria, I mean, y'all might have the world's largest roundabout that I, I'll, I'll be honest, I've gotten stuck in before and went around three times before I could get around and, and exit. But, um, yeah. you know, we have a, a lot of them here. There's a big one that's being worked on right now, Collie Saloon at E. Broussard Road, which should alleviate a lot of traffic. But, you know, part of what DOTD has to do is sort of these ongoing surveys about where you could help you know where are the problem spots where is the traffic what can you help with and i would imagine as uh, as an engineer it's something you you're used to looking at yeah um so that's that is one of our main functions is to look at where we have traffic issues and how we can alleviate them because our our main goal is to move traffic um down our state routes as quickly and as smoothly as possible and as safely so any chance we have to to get traffic to move uh, quickly and safely down our state routes, um, you know we're gonna we're gonna take those chances, whether it be a roundabout or a J turn or or some type of safety measure we take. Um, so yeah, absolutely, that's that's what we're here for. So Deidre, this is something that we've talked to you obviously for years about, and we're happy that you're back with DOTD because. You know, I think just the understanding of how these processes work, yeah. you know, you guys can't decide there's an issue and have a new intersection built in, you know, six months, even though everybody wants that. They I would mean, love yeah, that. Right. But the process <laughs> is something that's so important. And and you guys always brought it to us, Deidre. Yeah, exactly. Because like one of the things that we have to understand is the problem has it didn't just create maybe let's say there was a traffic issue. Of course, that problem didn't just come about overnight. And so anytime we're looking at a project to alleviate, a lot of times that project to help alleviate it is not going to occur overnight as well. Same thing with our construction projects. Uh, case in point with our, our big I-10 widening project that we have right here in Acadiana. I think we kicked off on that project in 2016, uh, I think it's 2016, 2017, uh, around there where we kicked off construction. Now we're making great progress on it because we actually just started construction on the third and final phase of that I-10 widening section and with the other two scheduled to be complete this September and around this November, you're going to start to see a lot of progress. But of course, in between, there was a, a lot to go, go through in between to get to that final stage, to get to that completion stage. So 
he had to deal with a lot of the, the headaches with, you know, maybe some backs up, backups and traffic, some much narrower lanes, things of that nature. But in the end, it's all worthwhile. And the main thing is making sure that we create a safe roadway for the traveling public. That's the main thing. And that is a big part of it. You know, people... They're just passionate, all right? I, I could say they're mean, impatient, everything else. Let's just say they're passionate. Robert, you one of those people? No, you know what? I'm going to be honest, Deidre. I am the person that when someone says, like, for example, I do live in the area of the Kali Saloon E. Broussard uh, roundabout that's going on right now. And there are some people who want to just go around. You know what? I'm going down Johnston Street. I'm just going to add more time, whatever. I just yeah. sit there. And I smile and I'm happy to see that there's mm -hmm. some sort of development because you know what? They, I'm going to use the nice word. They complained about it before when it was just a red light. And, th and so this is the fix, <laughs> but it just takes some time. Now, and now not to pass the buck or anything, but that is actually an LCG project. Wow. I know, Deidre. I'm giving you the responsibility of all the roads, though. <laughs> okay. Even the ones Rob, on pro private property, two-mile-long driveway. That's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, uh, Mike, it's it's great to meet you. And, you know, I, I hope this, you know, starts a, a long relationship of us kind of being able to get some insight on why things are the Indeed. way they are. You know, we have we have different road projects. And, you know, to some people, you look at it and think, oh, my gosh, why would you ever do it this way? And you know what? Now we have the person to ask, hey, Mike. <laughs> what were you thinking? Why did this did this really look good on paper? And the answer is usually yes. And you know, people just don't like change. But uh, we appreciate it, Mike Desell and Deidre Juliet from DOTD joining us this morning. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank, Thank you all so much. All, all right, right. eight nineteen now at News Talk ninety six five KPL. Um, good to have her back. I feel absolutely. like we have such a good direct line. And now she like she mm -hmm. has a child now. Mm -hmm. I mean, crazy been a long time i tell you things this, happen with yeah. life you know and you were talking about you know how things look on paper right but there are always reasons why things have to be done the way that they're done and you look on paper and you're like oh this doesn't make any sense and that's why it's so good to be able to hear um you know from the managing engineer to let us know hey here's the thinking behind this and here's why it has to be this way yep i think you know? it makes perfect sense all right 820 now at news talk 96.5 kpl Quick break here. We're back with more after this. The November elections are right around the corner, and KPL is your source for information on all of the candidates. African American workers made historic gains. The KPL Candidate Series. The words of a president matter. Exclusively at KPL965.com. Nine. In this letter, by the way, it is on the KPL website, everybody. So you want to go there, look over it for yourself. It's on the Facebook page. You'll You'll see it all there. You address this to Governor Edwards, and you make a lot of very interesting points. So I want to kind of go piece by piece. Um, the, you talk in the very beginning of the letter about flattening the curve. And in March, you did stand up there with Governor John Bell Edwards. There was a mission, and the mission at that time was about flattening the curve so as not to overwhelm our hospital system, or at least... That's the way that I remember it. Would you characterize it that way? Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, well, I mean, it, it was not only flattening the curve, but it was also the unknown of what we were dealing with. Um, I mean, again, remember, we had a novel virus that was here in America. Doctors really didn't know how to treat it. 
We didn't know what the infection rate was. We didn't know what the mortality rate was. At the time, we were being told that 2 million, upwards to 2 to 3 million people just in the United States were, were set to die from this virus. Uh, so there was a lot of a, a lot of anxiety and unknowns, and so because of those elements, they then allow for drastic measures to be taken by the by the government and the governor. And and of course, look, I I stood there right alongside him and, and certainly supported him uh, in that particular endeavor. Uh, but but a lot has changed between now. Yeah. And now. Oh my God, drastically. I mean, you know, every day it seems like we're learning something new or something different, or a twist on something that we knew back in March that is maybe sometimes, in some cases, completely different from what we knew. Um, You know, when you talked about the mask mandate, when you wrote that last week, you spoke specifically about the fact that there were no, and you put this in the letter, published metrics, meaning where is the goalpost? What are we doing? What are we trying to earn or do as far as the mask mandate? I don't know if that was addressed in the governor's response to you. No, I mean, look, look, it was completely disappointing, um, uh, you know, to have a governor sit there and basically respond to an official opinion by the attorney general. Uh, here's the first thing. The first thing that everyone needs to remember is I didn't just go out there and issue this opinion. This was something that was asked of me. Right, exactly. Yeah. A number of legislators. Uh, and and so we have a duty to do so. We didn't just haphazardly do it either. It's not like we, we were just waiting with bated breath to, to, to try to in some way undermine the governor. We took several days, if not three days, at I think at a minimum, uh, to go through the data, to go through the, the the law, to go through the constitution, and to and 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 do our legal research, and then we issued that particular opinion based on that. Um, now, look, the governor certainly had a right to say, well, you know, that's the attorney general's opinion; it's not my opinion, and then go about doing that. And his response was not at all that, which is which is odd. In fact, if if people would, would, would concentrate on that response and think of it to this extent, he never addressed the constitutionality of the questions that we brought out in the opinion. In fact, in his own press conference, when asked multiple times by reporters about the enforcement mechanism, uh, he brushed, either brushed them off or simply said, well, I'm just not interested in enforcing them. And in some cases said particular groups were not going to, um, have any enforcement whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That in itself shows the, prob- the problem with that. And, you know, Bernie, some people say, well, you know, the governor could do that. And you know, maybe he's not going not gonna to enforce it, and, you know, but, that, but that's fine. But that's not fine because, you know, we, we are a society that's governed by laws, right? And you don't create a law unless you intend to enforce it. That's a lot of the problems that we see. It's it's part and parcel of bigger problems, right? Do you and think so- that makes the governor look weak when he stood up there? Because that was the very first question from reporters. They wanted to know, will it be enforced and how will it be enforced? And it seemed like it was a crawfish response, at least in my interpretation. I've, I've you know, I've interviewed people for years and years and years. And I'm with you that in the sense that, look, if if you're going to do something, you have to do it. And the mechanisms have to be there. 
Right. And, I, and listen, that's been my concern all the way throughout this. It's not that I'm anti-mask and it's not that I'm not a, I'm anti-mandating. Right. But again, anytime you're going to mandate, you've got to follow the rules and the law. And certainly if the governor wants rules to be followed by the citizens of the state, he has a set of rules under which he has to follow in order to set those rules down as well. You know, no one governs by fiat in this country. If you like that, you can go down to Cuba, um, you know, or to other uh, countries that, that are run by dictators. But just not in the United States is it done in that particular fashion. You know, I think, um, you know, one of the biggest things, too, that you pointed out in the letter, I want you to kind of tell me a little bit about this. Um, the very first part of the letter talks about the time in which as a state and we were working together to flatten the curve, you say in your letter, and this is you, this is how you wrote it quote, and you're speaking to the governor. You surprisingly applauded extraordinarily large groups of people who were gathering in violation of practically every order you had issued to contain the virus orders, which emphasized social distancing so while you could have applauded people exercising the constitutional right to freedom of speech, while at the same time chastised the attendees for failing to protect people from the spread, you did only the former and none of the latter. Tell us your thinking on that. Well, I mean, it's really not thinking. It's just what's factually what's out there. It's Unfortunately, it's what tethers this governor uh, to a, a number of other liberal Democratic governors and mayors around the country which then go to the question of whether everything they're doing is based on politics, something that the governor likes to claim we do whenever we disagree with him. Look, it's a, it, 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 I have looked at the charts way too many times, okay? And it doesn't take a mathematician or statistician to understand this. If you look at the spikes that we, uh, um, that have occurred here in Louisiana over the last 30 days, and you look at when the protests occur, Right. You st there is a correlation between those two. Not only is there a correlation in the spikes, but there's also a correlation in the positive tests and, and the age group of people that participated in those protests. Now, look, I'm not anti-protest either. That certainly is a First Amendment right. But again, the Constitution is not a buffet in the First Amendment. <laughs> you can't appreciate. You can't appreciate one portion of the First Amendment and not appreciate any other portions of it as well, because the right to assemble means a lot of different things. And not only when you're protesting something that maybe you appreciate. And so, again, that that is something else that we took issue to. And the governor applauded that he went on the record and, and he didn't say, hey, listen, we understand uh, you know, the, the, the concerns and, and, and the expressions that are, that are out there. However, Louisiana is under a, a number of executive orders where we're trying to contain a virus. Y'all should not be doing this, right? That's not at all what he did. And so, again, you know, it, 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 it is what irritates the public is picking and choosing. Remember, we're supposed to be equal under the law. Not No one gets extra rights. Everyone's supposed to get equal rights. And for business owners, they do feel as if, you know, they're, it is a, you know, picking winners and losers situation. They do feel like that because if your business has been closed down and your livelihood has disappeared or it's going to disappear, it's the same problem for you as your employees. 
Well, well, exactly. And I mean, at what, at what, what is the point in time under which the cure is worse than the disease? You know, and there's been a lot of talk about the eggs over the mask. Let's just use to go back right. to that. Right, because yeah. I know there's a lot of people that, you know, and, and so people, some people can't understand, well, why a, a particular person wouldn't want a mask and, and would, would we otherwise be deemed a pretty pro- proper setting. And I can agree with that. However, let's go back and see why is that occurring? Well, again, it's occurring because those same type of people who are normally law-abiding people have turned on the TV and have watched things like riots and protests and the degradation of statues, the burning of private businesses, with no sense of accountability for the people who are conducting that exercise. And then, and then all of a sudden they're told that by the government that they have to do anything. That is an, they automatically resist that because they're like, oh, why should I be told and why should I do something that the government's telling me to do when the government, when clearly people out there are violating the law and not being held accountable as well. See how that, it becomes a cycle and it's eroding uh, to, to government structure. We are speaking with Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry, who joins us. You say that uh, in your letter, a lot of people have reached out to your office for clarification. Um, can you give us an idea of the different groups that have, or, or people or individuals? Just give us some type of idea of who's been reaching out for clarification. Well, I mean, as soon as the um, the order was, the, even as soon as rumors of the order was set for mm-hmm. circulation, we started getting calls from all kinds of people, gyms, bars, restaurant owners, normal business operators. Uh, you know, what does that mean? What can he do? What? And of course, a lot of times I was like, I don't know. I didn't even see the order yet. I've got to wait to see the order. I've got to be able to review it from law enforcement agencies. Hey, how am I supposed to enforce this? How do you know how they're going to enforce it? What is the enforcement mechanisms going to be uh, from legislators? Can he do this? Can he not? I'm getting called. And of course, they were probably fielding some of the same calls from business owners and, and normal citizens as well. The loudest voices on the biggest issues impacting your life. Hi, hello, welcome to Moon Show. Continuing the long tradition of informing you in Acadiana. News Talk 96.5, KPL. Depend on us for everyone. So dealing with your timeshare may not be your biggest concern. But when this passes, do you still want a lifetime of payments, fees, and commitments for a timeshare you were misled into buying? Hi, I'm Chuck McDowell. CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started the timeshare cancellation industry by exposing the ugly truth about timeshares and giving folks the straight facts. I've been fighting the timeshare giants ever since, so no one knows this industry better than me and my team. Today, we have over 200 employees and have saved our clients an average of $65,000 in lifetime payments. Imagine putting those timeshare dollars back in your pocket. Give my office a call today. I guarantee if we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare contract or you'll pay nothing. Call Wesley Financial now for your free information kit. 800-691-9999. That's 800-691-9999. 800-691-9999. Widespread on again, off again showers throughout the course of the day today. Another fairly wet day, similar to the way it was yesterday, where at times you get a decent downpour and a little bit of a break and another round of rainfall following it up after that. And we're going to see that continue throughout the remainder of the day today. With the clouds and the showers, temperatures should stay in the upper 80s throughout the afternoon. 
Overnight lows back down in the mid-70s with winds from the southeast at about 5 to 10 miles an hour. Wet, unsettled weather continuing through the rest of the week, picking up on Thursday and Friday. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips and News Talk 96. Louisiana Network is saying the number of people hospitalized from COVID-19 is back above 1,500. Uh, the state reporting 3,100 new cases. Um, does it frighten you? Does it scare you? Well, I mean, listen, a novel virus, you know, scares me as well. Uh, here's, here's what's important to recognize. What is our overall health care capacity at this particular time? Has it changed since March, Right. It should yeah, change. That's a great question. We should be, yeah, we should I mean, be in a better... Again, yeah. I mean, we're supposed to be in a better position. Something that's not being... The number, the length of hospital stays of COVID-infected people has been shortened. Sometimes anywhere between 30 to 50% based upon my back and a napkin math. People who are getting on ventilators uh, are surviving at a greater rate than they were before. We certainly don't want anybody on a ventilator, but certainly it's not the death sentence that it was in March at this particular time. You know, all of those things should be factored in. What is our ICU capacity? Do we have extra bed space? You know, what is, you know, where are we from a medical staffing standpoint? Some of those things may reach critical mass, Mm -hmm. but again, that's not being articulated. All we keep hearing about is the number of positive cases. That doesn't make up a hill of beans. My positive cases, what good is my positive case other than to say, Attorney General, you're positive, you should stay home at least for 10 days, uh, or, you know, to see if you're going to get any particular symptoms. And if you do get any symptoms, you should, you know, you should again uh, not go out in public until, you know, three to, I mean, three to four days afterwards. You know, mm-hmm. and again, mm-hmm. even though even that information has been somewhat changing as the sea of information gets to our medical providers. Yeah. Uh, Again, Bernie, the level and the degree under which we address these crises change. And so because the facts on the ground change, those should change as well. Well, and you really, I mean, you take it to the governor in this statement. I'm quoting uh, Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry's letter. It's posted uh, at the Cape Hill website and on our Facebook page. You say, quote, like you, I trusted the data and models generated in March. But since then, they have been proven to be wrong on a scale of grand magnitude. Therefore, our response needs to change by the same degree of magnitude. By the same token, your extraordinary powers need to change by that same degree of magnitude. That's pretty uh, That's pretty serious. Well, I mean, it's not only serious, Bernie, it's actually true. I mean, let me give you an example. You know, I only know of one city... Um, actually, that is still doing this. And I think it's up in Shreveport. Okay. But, you know, we, we went through a tremendous amount of great expense, right, from federal dollars that were given to us to handle this particular crisis and to get our hands around this disease, right, and this virus. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the city of Shreveport, and I'm not saying the city did it, but the medical community around there in some kind of way, did, went in and actually stood up a COVID unit only hospital, right? They took a, they took a long-term acute f- facility and stood it up 
so that that facility only took in COVID-19 patients or maybe some excess of them, right? Those things could have been done and may have been done in other parts of the state and should have continued to remain, which would give us extra capacity in addition to the fact that placing those patients in those COVID-only units would free up in uh, excess capacity for elective surgeries and other procedures in normal hospitals. In addition, when you do that, you reduce the risk of, of, of infecting medical staff mm -hmm. that are not related okay. to, to taking care of COVID-19 patients. But that hasn't happened. And nobody's even talked about that. So in other words, what do we have at our disposal to put our hands around managing the particular crisis? At the beginning, when the governor and I stood up and where we all were, it was, it was crisis point, right? It was, hey, we don't know, but we need to be able to triage this virus. What can the government, what does the government response need to be in order to make sure that people are healthy? We've gone like what, 100 days now or longer, maybe 120 days. We know so much more now. So the degree of management should be changing as well. So do you think that the governor is going to respond to this? Do you think he'll drop the issue? What kind of response are you expecting? I mean, I don't know, but I'm done. I mean, listen, I've okay. actually done about everything that I can do. I mean, we, we sent this letter out, and it's important for listeners to understand. The reason we sent this yeah. letter out Explain was the to it. Yeah, that, absolutely. Explain that part of well, it, because people, I'm sure, are well, dying to know. Well, because the governor sent out a letter to address to me, and it stuck on his website, I think on Thursday night and then on Friday, you know, that basically was 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 extremely like childish, uh, had nothing It took on none of the points that we made in a particular opinion, ridiculed us for doing our legal job, which is the issue of particular opinion. And, and then to, you know, pot shots and things that created like red herrings for the public. You know, and, and so we said, look, we're not just not going to put up with it because it's riddled with a lot of inaccuracies, innuendos and untruths. And so, you know, I we sat there and prepared this letter mm -hmm. uh, and then I'm, I'm done. I mean, look, all I can do as the attorney general is point out the law, right? Mm -hmm. And say, this is what the law says and this is what the Constitution says. Um, the governor can go and he certainly has a right to go about acting as he as he pleases, and the only checks against that are really the legislature, right? The people in the courts, right? And so, you know, you we think, just put it out there. Let me ask you: You think somebody's going to file suit either over either over the mask mandate or the bar issue? I mean, have you heard any rumblings behind the scenes? I mean, you know, the, uh, in fact, today, it, ironically, in Shreveport, again, talking about uh, the city of Shreveport, a federal—I mean, a, not a federal, a district, state district judge smack down uh, the mayor's mask mandate uh, mm -hmm. as being vaguely, un uh, not vague, uh, what was the words he used? Um, he said it was unconstitutional, but he, he used a, <laughs> um, a couple Some of other. certain interesting uh, pieces of language. Yeah, in words. Yeah. But, right. but, but so, so he, 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 he had issued a preliminary and now a temporary restraining order, a temporary and now a preliminary restraining order against that. I've heard that there are many board owners that are seeking uh, some address as well. That portion of the executive order is extremely problematic uh, because, again, it picks and chooses winners. It, and, 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 and 
Yeah, I think that you could see um, a number of bar owners gather together and take legal action against that order. So in wrapping up with all of this and Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry talking about the letter that he sent to the governor, you can get it at KPL, you can get it uh, at the at our Facebook page, too. I want to go over the point where you stress this a couple of times in this letter again. You are not against masks. You're telling people, look, do the mask thing, you know, if you have health issues. I mean, you really encourage people that if if they want to, you know, do the protection and wear the mask. Now, you know, you really are encouraging this for people who want to do it. Correct. We shouldn't. This is in no way should be taken as a discouragement. Uh, it's important for people to understand that for the government to compel someone to do so is a high burden and is a great responsibility that really is only left to times of crises, emergencies by one person or then by a body, which is like a legislative body. Uh, and, and so, again, you know, look, masks have been shown to be useful, right? It's part and parcel of where we are today, using masks, and certainly in certain circumstances, certainly with people who, who are infected or who are likely to come in contact with people who are infected, certainly by those who are in the most vulnerable part of the population. But, but the way that we've gone about implementing this thing has just divided people. You know, it's, it's pitched business owner against patron, neighbor against neighbor, um, you know, I mean, we, we made it as if, you know, if you're walking in the park, you have to have a particular mask on, which, again, scientifically proven probably is it doesn't do you any good. Right. If you're outside, the wind is blowing, if you're not standing in a crowded um, uh, uh, place, even, you know, inside of, of close quarters, you could even be outside and there may be times when you're outside and you you may or may not want to use wear a mask. But again, those things should be coming from health experts and doctors uh, and, and continuing to educate the public on how to, to take care and protect themselves from this virus. Do you think, real quick, I know you got to go, do you think that uh, it should have been all about more education, maybe a better message, more direct of a message about the mask? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we have we have faced novel viruses and infectious diseases, certainly that have had greater mortality rates than this particular virus before. Never have we gone to the extent we have gone to in this country um, uh, in, in implementing the type of mandates uh, that, 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 that we've gone to at these lengths. Right. Uh, I think that, again, education, education and treatment, uh, help, being fit. Uh, protecting your health. Uh, when you think about it, the biggest the biggest factor between those that seem to to not have much of symptoms and those that end up in a hospital or either comorbidities or, or the overall health of a particular person, those are important things that we should be doing to educate the public. Our Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry, sir, thank you very much for going point by point so we could get um, your intent, what you thought about it, uh, all of your thoughts behind the letter, sir. Thank you for your time today. Okay, thank you. Take care. All right. The Rush Morning Update is brought to you by Luxury Limo of Lafayette. Book your next traveling party at LuxuryLimoOfLafayette.net. You might remember the New York Times Magazine reporter at responsible for that 1619 project. 
Trump said America's only foundation is 400 years of slavery. Well, she's got a new project. It's called it the 2020 Riot Project. Nicole Hannah-Jones interviewed by CBS News about the mayhem unfolding in Democrat cities. And she told everybody to be really careful with our language. She said that although it's disturbing to see property being destroyed and stolen, we ought to remember these are just things. She said that it isn't moral to describe smashing and looting as violence. Destroying property which can be replaced is not violence, she said. Nicole Hannah-Jones did not acknowledge the people who have been killed during all this torching and destroying and looting and pillaging and ransacking, uh, nor did she mourn the businesses that have died or are going to die. First, business owners were forced by their blue state governors and mayors to shut down for months because of the coronavirus. Now the violent riots have destroyed their life's work and dreams and their vandalized businesses and stolen things won't just be magically replaced, they're dead. So excuse us, uh, Ms. New York Times Magazine, if we think it's far more than merely disturbing that this is happening, while elected Democrat officials sit on their hands and literally do nothing to stop it, and in fact, some of them even applaud and encourage more of it. Families are saving money every month on their cell phone bill with Pure Talk USA. The average family for saving $76 a month when they switch from AT&T, $83 a month when they switch from Verizon Wireless, or $92 a month when they switch over from Sprint. Pure Talk is on the same network as the more expensive big brands covering 99% of Americans. It's just at a lower cost and there's no contract. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, only 20 bucks a month, folks. Plus, you'll get 50% off your first month. Stop paying so much. Stop paying too much to big wireless providers. Switch to Pure Talk today and save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250, say the keyword Pure Talk. That's pound 250, keyword Pure Talk. It's Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You'll have the option to receive a one-time auto-dialed text from Pure Talk. The loudest voices on the biggest issues. We're listening to your concerns. And that's why it's so important for us to say that we hear you. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Depend on it. Um. I'm Elizabeth McDonald, and this is the Fox Business Report. Coca-Cola's business slumped more than 28% in recent months. Though people are buying beverages to drink at home, it doesn't make up for all the Cokes and other drinks Coca-Cola usually sells at theaters, sporting venues, and restaurants. Lockheed Martin's business was stronger than expected in the recent quarter. The aerospace and defense company is raising its forecast for the year, though it says that depends on its own manufacturing not being disrupted. Credit card company Synchrony Financial is reporting a smaller profit in the recent quarter, it's been reserving cash to cover possible unpaid bills. Philip Morris' profit and sales were down in the recent quarter. The tobacco company says demand is down and it was dealing with manufacturing disruptions because of the coronavirus pandemic. That's your Fox Business Report. I'm Ginny Cosella, invested in you.
Everyone is talking about David Horowitz's new book, Blitz. It's a number one Amazon bestseller and just hit the New York Times bestseller list. Blitz reveals the truth about Trump. Don Jr. and Mike Huckabee say you need to get Blitz. And follow David Horowitz every night on Newsmax TV, America's fastest growing cable TV channel. Get the new bestseller Blitz at bookstores or get the free offer and save $28. Call 800-NEWSMAX or go to Blitz411.com. That's Blitz411. The news you want to know. Attorney General. He lied to Congress. Chicken bar should have shown up today. He slandered this man. Circus political stunt. KPEL FM. Brobridge Lafayette. Your 24-7 news source, on air, online, and with the KPL News app. Now the headlines from the KPL News Center. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Rob Kirkpatrick. Roads are wet out there this morning, and more rain is in the forecast. We'll get up to 88 degrees today. The National Hurricane Center is monitoring three tropical waves, but none of the disturbances are a serious threat to Louisiana at this time. State climatologist Barry Kimes says a weak low-pressure area south of the Texas-Louisiana border it's caught the attention of forecasters, but it's expected just to bring that tropical moisture to our area. Time says there's another disturbance way out in the Atlantic and the other over Cuba, both heading towards the Gulf of Mexico. He says this disorganized area of showers and thunderstorms should get into the Gulf today. Your full forecast from Daniel Phillips is just ahead. House Speaker Clay Schecksnyder is discouraging fellow Republicans from supporting an effort spearheaded by Shreveport Republican Alan Seabop to revoke the governor's coronavirus pandemic state of emergency. Schecksnyder says the petition fixes nothing and adds that the move could trigger more overrides or ongoing executive orders tied to previous natural disasters. He said it could be a hurdle for the governor's authority to tackle future events. Seabock called the speaker's response, quote, fear-mongering. A state rental assistance program is temporarily suspended due to an overwhelming response after less than a week. Matt Doyle has the story. The $24 million program was designed to help 10,000 low-income families and ended up receiving 40,000 applications. Louisiana Fair Housing Action Center Director Kashana Hill says it's a drop in the bucket compared to the $500 million that will be needed to address the state's impending rent crisis affecting 130,000 Louisiana families. Over 27,000 families in New Orleans area, 14,000 families in Baton Rouge, 5,800 families in Washita Parish, and over 3,000 families in Lafayette. I'm Matt Doyle. The back and forth between Governor John Bell Edwards and Attorney General Jeff Landry continues. Landry sent another letter to Edwards yesterday criticizing him for cheering on recent social justice protest events, even though they could have contributed to the latest surge in coronavirus cases. Edwards' staff says there's no evidence of that being a cause of the spread. Landry is also not happy the governor chose to shut down bars, but Edwards says contact tracing has shown that bars contributed to hundreds of new cases. Baton Rouge police are investigating an officer-involved shooting that killed a domestic violence suspect at his Tigerland apartment early yesterday morning. The identities of the officer and the deceased have not been released, but a portion of body cam footage has been sent out. Four officers involved in that shooting were placed on administrative leave. A canine officer injured in the gunfire is in stable condition. The suspect was wanted on a warrant obtained in May, and they said officials had tracked him down to the apartment complex after a tip given to Crime Stoppers. Chief Murphy Paul says during the incident, officers saw the man appearing from a rear room. The 
The officers retreated from the apartment while giving loud verbal commands. The suspect armed himself with a weapon and confronted officers at the entrance to the apartment. When the suspect pointed the weapon at the officers, they fired, striking him. Paul said all the officers had their body cameras activated and a snippet of that footage we played a few seconds ago was released after the family of the deceased reviewed that video. Although they preferred that the body camera video not be released today, they allowed us to release some of the footage for the sake of transparency and for the best interests of public safety.